the galaxy is full of film, and this is the Galaxy of Film Podcast. Alright, and welcome back to another brand episode of Galaxy of Film. I'm your host, Max. This week, we are not joined with Danilo. I gave him the week off because he wanted to talk shit last week about Ghostbusters. But, yeah, this week we're discussing Ghostbusters. However, I'm not alone, thank God. Um, we got a couple familiar faces along with a brand new one. Uh, first up, reintroducing. He's been here for God knows how long at this point. Jake from Mayhem Pictures, you were here last week as well, discussing uh, Spencer and the French Dispatch, and you decided to come back again. So how have you been? I've been good. Uh, just been chilling, watching movies, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's all been good. Watch any um, any good family movies lately for Thanksgiving? Uh, family movies? Actually, yeah, I just watched one this morning. It's called The Humans on Showtime. It's an A24 film. Uh it's brand new, so it just came out. I think it's today. And, oh, really? Uh, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, definitely, like, you know, low-key. It's based on, like, a play. So it is just, like, a bunch of people in a house talking. And it's set at Thanksgiving. So, you know, it's it's an A24 Thanksgiving. So what's not to love there? Did they do any promoting for that? It went over my head. Very little. Uh, I did hear about it, like, during, like, the festival run. But then, like, nothing. And then I woke up this morning. Because I kept, like, I was doing my award show. And I was like, I might talk about The Humans if it gets, like, an extended, like, wide release near mm-hmm. me. But if not, I'm not going to do it. And then I woke up this morning and it was like, oh, it's on Showtime now. And I'm like, okay, I can watch that, like, right now. So I did that. And, uh, yeah, it's just out. And it feels like they dumped it a little bit, but it's good. So. Okay, that's good to hear. Well, what's the runtime for it? Like, hour 48. Okay, so an easy watch overall. Yeah, yeah. There Quick. you go. There you go. Sweet, man. Sweet. Also reintroducing this week, he's basically been here since day one. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Gamer Harold. How have you been, buddy? Pretty good. Playing games, living life, working out. Yeah, I saw, um, I've actually swiped up in your story today. You beat Pokemon Brilliant Diamond today, huh? Oh, yeah, really good. Nice man. Did you watch any um any any good movies lately? Any good movies lately? Let's see. Oh, I did watch I did watch Spider Man Far From Home on my birthday. We were in me and my friends were in the hotel, so we just wanted to do something to watch. And they were all excited about No Way Home, so we watched Far From Home again. Okay. That's- Far From Home's good, dude. It's pretty awesome. I was rewatching um Homecoming today actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I said fuck it at work, you know. Um, no one's really bugging me because, you know, I work at Amazon for the moment. Um, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up. We're, we're pretty busy. So no one's really, like, up your ass. No one's fucking with you at this point. So I just propped my phone up, had my AirPods in. Um, I've been... <laughs> the other day, I shouldn't say this, but fuck it at this point. On Monday, I watched four Spider-Man movies at work. <laughs> wow. So I was watching... Um, Homecoming today when I was at work, and I also rewatched Ghostbusters one and two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, just screw it at this point. I gotta work a ten-hour shift. Fuck it. I have, you know, better things to do than Amazon. Clearly, but yeah, <laughs> very pumped for No Way Home. Obviously, 
Um, but introducing this week, we have Dustin from Technical Difficulties. How have you been, man? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, glad to be on the show and uh, get to chat with you, you guys here. Um, been pretty good lately. It's been like pretty busy with like different projects I'm working on. So like, I try to sneak in the theater, you know, now and then, and like catch catch a new film. Um, I saw the new Resident Evil last night, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty great. And then I just rewatched because I was really in the mood for it. I watched um, Tusk, uh, Kevin Smith's film, okay. this past weekend, and. Personally, I think it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, I it was one of those. It's like you know, it's been a while. I, I want to give it a rewatch. Um, but yeah, I've been meaning to been watch to. Tusk. Actually, it's it's been on my backlog for a while. Oh, so you haven't seen Tusk? I've not. No, it, it's been on that list for for quite a bit. My mom recommended Tusk odd enough. What? <laughs> And she doesn't like what? Kevin Smith at all, so it's kind of weird that she recommended it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest Kevin Smith fan. Like I'm I don't have like anything against him, just not a big fan, but like this movie, it's just like I don't know. There's just something about it. Yeah, I like Kevin Smith's work a lot. I um I love Chasing Amy. I think Chasing Amy is his best work for sure. But um there there's another odd one he did. I think he I know he produced it. I want to say he, he co-wrote it. I could be completely wrong on that, though, but I know for a fact he produced it. Um, this movie called The Dirties, and you can watch the whole thing on YouTube ad-free. It's one, like a weird entry on there. Um, it's about a school shooting, which is odd. Oh. Yeah, like two film students um, are they, they're assigned a project, two best friends in this film class, to make a short film. And when they present it, all the classmates, all the peers are just talking shit upon them, and they feel off about making this project. So they they get the inspiration that, okay, we're going to make a movie about a school shooting. And then they actually have a school shooting <laughs> to put in their movie. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so the kid, it's not the kids who, like, they're making the film, so they're not the ones doing the school shooting. No, they do. Oh. Yeah, they're oh, okay. they're like in the middle of like the desert just shooting guns for like B-roll for this film they're making. And they're like, oh, let's mount a couple GoPros in the hallway and like actually have a school shooting for our project. That'll really show them. And yeah, it, it's a good movie, though. I enjoyed it. I know Kevin Smith produced it, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth checking out on YouTube. I think it's like an hour and 20. Really easy watch. But yeah, that's certainly yeah, not Tusk. I have not heard of this. I feel like I just killed the whole vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like school shooting, huh? <laughs> Hell of a way to start a Thanksgiving episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, it's good to have you on the show this week, man. Um, oh, thank you. Happy to be on. I'm very pumped to talk Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. We're we're not not just talking about Ghostbusters, not just Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're talking all the Ghostbusters films, all mm. four of them. Which, uh, yeah, that includes the one we don't want to talk about, but we're going to anyways. We're going to include it. Why not? Um, See, before... even without the oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
I was going to say minus the 2016 one. Um, I I still consider that there's four of them because the Ghostbusters game for um, I mean it just recently got re-released, but that mm-hmm. I consider that Ghostbusters three because it has like the entire cast, including Harold Ramis. So like that's I consider that one my like third Ghostbusters film. I played through part of I rented that from Blockbuster, but never finished it. It's really good. Did you, um, and this is a, a weird off-topic thing, I always, for whatever reason, maybe it's because they came out a year apart, I always bundle Ghostbusters with Back to the Future. Did you ever play the, the Telltale Back to the Future game? I I used to have a demo of it. I, I played it, I played it a while back when I had a PS3, but yeah, I never, I never like actually like played through the whole thing. It's it's kind of wild, actually, man. There's like a whole um, like Citizen Kane chapter where there's like a, a I think it's 1985, I want to say, where like Doc has like an evil wife who takes over Hill Valley almost. Um, it's yeah, the Delorean. It's a year after Part Three. Like you know, Doc's obviously back in 1885 still, and. I don't know why it took a full year, but the Brown residence is like under foreclosure and they're having an estate sale. And for whatever reason, George McFly is managing the estate estate sale. And so like the DeLorean just appears outside and like Einstein. It's weird, man. It's a weird story, but it's solid. Even though Michael J. Fox is in the game, he doesn't voice Marty. It's oh, yeah. what does he do? He does cameos throughout it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I I think Christopher Lloyd is is docking that. I think. Okay. Man, <sighs> it's it's kind of like Jackie Chan Adventures. When I grew up and realized that wasn't actually Jackie Chan, even though it was misleading because they they'd have him like in the intro. Know, like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second. That's not Jackie Chan. I remember that. Yeah, it is Christopher Lloyd as is um, Emmett Brown as Doc. James Arnold Taylor is also in the and Thomas Wilson's Biff again. Yeah, Michael J. Fox is Willie McFly. So who plays know. Marty? Um, AJ Lacasio. He's in a bunch of Lego projects. He was Han Solo in the Lego Star Wars Halloween special. Sick one. <laughs> but, yeah. Good games, though. Good I mean, games. Pretty good I mean, I guess stuff. I can see why they get, like, a younger person. Because, you know, Michael J. Fox is not, um, you know, he's not, like, as young as he was in Back to the Future. So I can see why they would get somebody a bit younger. Yeah, but it's still kind of weird, though. Because Christopher Lloyd, you know, he's... Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. It's odd. But it's a good game, though. Good story. Good plot. Um, but that Ghostbusters game is also pretty good. It is pretty good. Let's go ahead and dive into the news for this week, guys. But first off, I do have an announcement. Um, December uh, 4th, I believe, actually. Next Thursday. No, excuse me. December 2nd. 4th is a Saturday. My apologies. 
December 2nd, next Thursday, whenever we drop our House of Gucci episode, we're also launching the official Galaxy of Film YouTube channel, so stay tuned for that. The link for that is in our link tree, is also in the show notes down below. You can go ahead and subscribe to that, we'll have our introduction video out for that. Um, and we'll have our first short film project being released later this month, and hopefully our first vlog as well for this trip Danilo and I are taking. So stay tuned for that, and you can subscribe to that Galaxy of Film Productions. But for the actual news news, first up we have uh, not, a lot, not a lot to cover this week, honestly. But the Daily Bugle, hosted by J. Jonah Jameson, is now on TikTok to promote No Way Home... Jake, do you have any comments about this? It's a cool marketing thing. Uh, I don't really... I am not on TikTok like a crazy amount. Mm. Um, I'll definitely go and check it out. I, I did see this like on Twitter earlier. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's harmless. It's fine. I don't think we're going to get like any like little clues in them. I, I think it's just going to be like little fun bits of stuff that we already know like i'm sure is is it jk simmons doing it is it? jk simmons yeah okay cool so maybe uh maybe it's just like little clips from the movie or like you know him talking about like oh we're getting villains showing up now stuff like that but or just talking about spider-man being a menace you know that sort of it's stuff i, I like, like it in the game mm-hmm. yeah i like it in the game so you know I'll, I'll definitely like check it out sometimes and be like oh that was funny it's more Simmons or less just like the end credits scene from No Way Home. I mean, Far From Home. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. It is a neat little marketing thing. I think it beats uh, throwing Spider-Man on Fortnite. I'll, I'll say that much for sure. I'm sick of that shit. Yeah, I'm tired of that as well. You remember how um, for Rise of Skywalker, uh, they decided that the, the best promotional thing they could do was just have Palpatine's message in Fortnite for a day? That was... So funny, yeah. It happened off screen, and it's it's a isn't if I'm if I'm I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but that is like canon. Like yeah. that was that was the message that like everybody was talking about in that movie that like didn't happen in the movie, but it happened in fucking Fortnite. Yeah, in fucking Fortnite, not even Battlefront two, not even the game they were still yeah, supporting. Incredible. Yeah, just <laughs> wait. So and then, and then, my, my, I was gonna say, my question is. So does that mean that Fortnite exists in the Star Wars universe? I guess so. Yeah. It certainly exists in the MCU. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. This is confirmed. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then now Dune, which is like like a masterpiece Denis Villeneuve movie. We got Fortnite skins there too with Dune. Didn't they do a Walking Dead one recently too? They've done everything at this point. They did Rick and Morty. They did... um, I did Thanos Crazy. like three times? Thanos, yeah. And Naruto. And, Nar- yeah, yeah, yeah. and Naruto, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Gosh, can you believe all of this is now canon to Star Wars? <laughs> Sick promotional okay. campaign, Disney. Um, Harold, do you have any comments on the Daily Beagle stuff on TikTok? Oh, yeah, I think it'll be really funny. Just, just like you said, on the. Um, Video games. After whenever you do a mission, and then um, Jay Jonah Jameson just talks about what happened in the mission, but also at the same same time, bad mouthing Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Really funny thing. 
it reminds me of those, um, I think he did two or three of them. The videos Ryan Reynolds did with Korg for the Free Guy promotional stuff. Yeah. Where he was dressed as Deadpool and, you know, Taika's, you know, doing the whole Korg stuff. Because obviously Korg CGI. Um, it reminds me of that almost. Just a little free, witty, canon but not canon promotional material. Cool shit. Um, Dustin, any comments? Um, I mean, I'm all for uh, more J. Jonah Jameson, especially J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I saw earlier was um, why or basically J. Jonah Jameson is the only character that is the same in every Spider-Man universe. Yeah, because wasn't there like a deleted scene for Amazing Spider-Man 2 where he's in it? I I believe so, but it's like how he's the same in like Peter Parker's or um, sorry Toby Maguire's, and then the same in Tom Holland's. Mm-hmm. So it's like what's what's going on with that? That is true. It's cool stuff though. I'm I'm excited to see uh, where it goes. It just helps build the hype up for No Way Home. But up next, we got a bit of a teaser trailer today for the drama series. Is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? I don't want to call it a remake, because it is more drama-orientated than being a sitcom. But the Bel Air series, produced by Will Smith. Um, no, this has been something teased back and forth for, I want to say, almost like 10 years. Will Smith ex- expressed interest in doing something like this, whether it be writing or producing. Um, trailer's fine. You know, nothing too crazy, too special. I'll definitely watch the show. I'm a big fan of the sitcom. Um, big Will Smith fan, so you know he's putting his effort into it, his money into it. So hopefully he's proud of the product. But do you have any comments on this, Jake? Interesting. I think I was wondering, like, with the the narration in the trailer, if they would pick that up in the show and sort of kind of do like a. Uh, I get well because you, you were saying it's not like a sitcom this time around, but I'm wondering if they wanted to do like a dramatic kind of thing where it's sort of like everybody hates Chris, where it's like still about Will Smith, but it, now it's like Will Smith is like doing the voiceover. I oh. I'm sure it was just in the trailer, but mm-hmm. I thought I like that came into my head. I'm like that would be kind of fun if Will Smith was like doing the voiceover and still like pretty involved in the show as opposed to just like having his name on it. I mm-hmm. do think he's more involved in it than that. But that would I just think that would be cool to like that would be cool. put Will Smith that much more in it. Yeah, cuz cuz I mean otherwise like I don't really know what like the reason would be for doing like a remake besides like I mean I guess they're they are like ditching the comedy which is interesting um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they are ditching the comedy but maybe there will be comedy but the sitcom like format I think that's probably yeah. done um, and making like a you know kind of like more of a modern like streaming series with it um, but it's, it's on it's on Peacock though right it is on Peacock yeah which but is weird because I think HBO Max had the reunion special. Yeah, that is weird. So I don't, I don't know what's up with that. that. That's strange. It's probably some like licensing deal or something. I don't know. Like that's that's interesting. Unless they like bought out Bel Air after maybe that happened. I don't know. But, but maybe they, that's I mean, why the, the title's different. Stuff. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's that's weird. But I they definitely need the content. So mm. 
I'm looking forward to. I like your idea though, of Will Smith narrating, kind of like Bob Saget and High Met Your Mother for uh, Ted Mosby. That'd yeah, be cool. Exactly. I'm, I'd be fine with that. Whether direction they take it. All right. Could you imagine if Will Smith, for whatever reason, played Uncle Phil? Yeah. That'd be interesting. That that'd be something. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Harold, any comments on this? The Bel Air series. I think it'll be pretty cool. I can't wait to see the turn they take, considering every time Will Smith is, like, doing an interview or something, he talks real life, and it gets, like, kind of serious and, you know, about real-life situations. So it's probably good to see what kind of take he put on in the show from what he what he speaks in his interviews. He's a really great speaker, so, yeah. He is. He is, actually. I agree. Good Good thoughts. What about you, Jay? Or gosh, Jake, uh, that tells you how tired I am. It's been a hell of a day, Dustin. What about you? Any comments on this Bel Air stuff? Uh, I mean, it's news to me. Um, I, I saw like an image earlier of somebody who looked like they were dressed like, you know, like Will Smith, Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, like, I didn't watch Fresh Prince for like drama, <laughs> so like, I'd be curious how a take on it would be minus the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious about that. And, you know, it, it, like, is he going for a, like a modern, a modern take on it? Or is it going to be like said in the same era? It appears to be a modern take. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I guess I would have to, cause I, I don't know. I guess I can't really picture like, what that would be like in a, I mean, I guess I could, but like, you know, I, I watched it for like Will Smith and uh, Carlton and, and the laughs and all that. So mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what a new take on it would be. I I can respect that. Honestly, I feel you. Um, up next, this is a sequel. I, I don't want to say I've been dreading. I definitely won't be seeing this in the theaters. I, the first of this trilogy, I enjoyed for what it was. The second, I thought, was just absolute garbage. Uh, we have a poster for Jurassic World Dominion that came out today. Uh, T-Rex in front of a drive-in screen. Poster looks cool. Again, I'm not excited for this sequel. I'll be skipping it completely after watching Fallen Kingdom. How about you, Jake? Any, any comments on this? How are you excited for Jurassic World 3? I'll check it out. Um... Yeah, I'm kind of like it's so weird because I haven't like seen a movie with him since like I guess this past summer but he's been kind of like low key but I'm kind of like done with Chris Pratt not like for like political reasons at all like I know a lot of people are like done with him like cancel him but like I don't know I'm just like what more can you do like he's voicing all these characters now like he's in this he's in Guardians I don't know. I don't know if I need to see another one of these, but I, I am curious to see like the original Jurassic Park cast return mm-hmm. all together. That's gonna be really cool. Um, and I didn't get a chance to see the prologue thing that they put out, but I know that came out with F nine, and now that's like publicly released. Uh, so I do want to check that out still, even though I don't think it's probably gonna matter for the movie that much. Um, but I'll, I'll check it out. The poster's cool. It's it's a fun little like tease. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm not not like excited, but I'll, I'll definitely watch it. Man, Chris Pratt definitely has fallen off in the last couple of years. You know, 2014, 15, Chris Pratt and uh, 
oh, what's her fucking name? Jennifer Lawrence. That was their yeah. their time. It was weird. They're in fucking everything. Yeah. And for whatever, I think we're kind of just done with Chris Pratt. You know, he he's still Star Lord, still enjoying him in his roles. But it's odd how he's picking up traction again with the whole Garfield thing, and especially the Mario backlash. That is yeah. something. Um, yeah, I get why he was cast in Jurassic World. It was it was his time. Um, it made sense for his character to return in the sequel, but I, I hated that fucking sequel. That was that was terrible. So I mean, I'm not not going to see this movie because of him for sure. Just because yeah. I'm not a Jurassic Park fan at this point. But uh, Dustin, any comments for Jurassic World Three? Um. Well, I did. I did watch that five minute uh, prologue mm-hmm. that they just released the other day online, and I have to say, like it. It captured, um, it captured the essence of like the first first couple movies. Like I, I love, I love the first three. I was a fan of Jurassic World when it came out, and I'm like you, Max. I, I thought Fallen Kingdom was like just an insult, um, and it it was a dumpster fire, and it like took everything in like Jurassic World and just like went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but this prologue, though in this five minutes, it like got me hyped and I'm like, okay. Um, cause it really captured that feeling of like when you first saw like T-Rex and just how like terrifying he was or she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I highly recommend checking out the prologue and I'm hoping that this movie can somehow make up for the last one. Um, or maybe like skip, pretend like the second one didn't happen <laughs> yeah that's halloween 2018 this uh the jurassic world stuff huh yeah please mm. that would be an improvement harold how are you feeling about jurassic world um i guess i'm just another jurassic park movie i've never been into the movies but i've seen some of them but recently whenever one came out it's just i'll see it with my friends it's like Hey, you want to go see Jurassic Park? Sure, but if they don't ask, I don't. So, if they want to go see it, I'll go with them. But I probably won't see it if they don't go. So, good answer, Harold. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> don't support Jurassic Park. There you go. I'm I'm here for it, bud. Um, up next on the news, Natasha Bordizo. I think that's how you say her name. I literally know this woman from nothing. I know she's in Guns Akimbo, but I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to claim I know her from that film. Uh, she's been cast as Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka live-action series. i, I got to be honest, I was hoping for Tia Sakar, you know, the actual voice actress. But after, you know, Rosario Dawson physically being Ahsoka and, and not Ashley Eckstein, uh, I can't say I'm surprised that Tia isn't playing Sabine physically. Um, just hoping this actress does a good job. Again, I don't know her, so I'm not going to judge her based off of uh, her acting <laughs> skills. But I'm hopeful. Glad Sabine's in the show, even though we all kind of suspected it. Um, Jake, any any comments on this? Are you familiar with her acting? Um, not with the actress, but um, I liked the character. I, I saw like a little bit of uh, Rebels. Um, didn't not like it. I, I enjoyed it, actually, quite a bit. I watched the I think the entire first season and then kind of stopped, but would mm-hmm. like to get back into it. Um, 
I like that character. I'm curious to see her brought to live action. I'm curious to see all because I'm, I'm assuming a lot of these Rebels characters are going to be in this series. So I'm curious to see them come into the live action. That's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I'm all for it. I'm excited. Okay. How do you um? How do you feel about Ahsoka in live action? Um, I thought that episode of Mandalorian was really great. Uh, mm. I I thought she Rosario Dawson did a great job. I thought the maybe I don't know what it was, but something about like the the kind of like the, the tentacles the tails on her. Yeah, yeah, those like little tentacle things on her head. Those seemed like very rubbery and stiff to me. Like they just sort of like stayed there. Like in the show, you, in the animation, you could do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when that's brought to live action, there is kind of like a disconnect there, where it's like it just looks kind of weird. Um, it reminded really me of Michael her. Keaton as Batman. It was strange. How she had to turn like, her neck was like almost like a full body motion sometimes. It felt yeah, it felt like she was very aware of it being there, and because I think I read somewhere about her those things being longer. And they yeah, should have much been longer. longer at that time. And so it's like, they just like kind of were like, let's do a little bit, not go too crazy with it, because it's just going to be hard for her to move around and act. Um, mm-hmm. But it was that was a little distracting. But I, I thought she was good. I thought the makeup and all that's like, she, like being brought to live action, she did a good job. Like the physicality and the lightsabers and all that stuff was very cool. It's odd because, um, you know, in, in Rebels, they go down to like her waist, I want to say. Yeah. And there's a scene in Clone Wars where it's like a a feature scene where that version of Ahsoka, I think they go down to like her knees. They're pretty long. I like Rosario physically as Ahsoka. Her voice throws me off more than anything. Just because I'm, yeah. you know, used to Ashley for since 2008. You know, um, so it's me a little bit weird. I, I really do think this is going to be the last bit of Ahsoka we see. Um, at least in the forefront. And with that being said, you know, we know she dies before Rise of Skywalker because we hear her voice. Are we going to see Ahsoka die? Is it going to be as emotional because it's not Ashley? You know, it, it, it's kind of odd, all things considered. But I'm looking forward to it. It's one of my most anticipated Star Wars projects at this point, if not my most anticipated uh, Harold, how about you? Are you how are you feeling? Sabine's casting in Ahsoka. Are, I, are you following this at all? <laughs> I don't know who that is. But say that one more time. You're uh, you broke up for a second. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I hope she does great for you. <laughs> I love it when you're on, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, how about you, man? Are you a Star Wars fan? Um. So I. Like, I, I actually explained this. I'm not, but, um, like, I explained the other day, like, my trilogy was, like, the Back to the Future trilogy growing up. Okay. Um, and I recently, like, I had gotten into the Star Wars films when um, Force Awakens was coming out. Okay. And so I'm more, like, a casual fan. Like, I've seen, like, I've seen some episodes of, like, uh, Clone Wars and Mandalorian. So I haven't, like, been following everything, but... After um, Rise of Skywalker, that kind of like, I, don't know, I was I was kind of like not interested in like at least like the films, because um, personally I'm not like a huge fan of like what they did with it. Mm-hmm. But I do know the shows like 
um, like what I've seen of the Mandalorian was great and I've still been meaning to like watch it. So this is like the Ahsoka show is a spinoff essentially. It is and it isn't. Her episode was more or less a almost like a pilot. It was like a test reaction to how a live action Ahsoka would work. But her story was going to happen regardless of the show. Okay. It, we was just testing if it was going to be animated or live action with, with that episode, basically. Hey, I mean, if they're doing it and it's for the fans and they're actually going to, like, do it do it right, like, you know, go for it. Um, mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the characters, but I'm all for them, like, doing stuff that's going to actually, you know, follow the source material. That's fair enough. I can respect that. I can respect it. I'll tell you what isn't respectful, though. Ridley Scott. <laughs> Jake, we're, I think it was you were on the episode a couple weeks ago when we were discussing off-the-wall like criticism some of these directors make. And, of course, we, we have Ridley Scott who lashes out defending The Last Duel, his... Not most recent, because House of Gucci came out this week. Um, but his last most recent film that we also discussed on Galaxy of Film, Last Duel. He makes comments saying why it bombed was due to millennials and these cell phones. How do you feel about this, Jake? Um, I, I think he's grasping at the wind and he's just like, hey, let's find an argument and let's start one. I think he is very bitter about his movie uh, bombing, mm-hmm. but and and of course, like anybody would be, of course. But don't blame the audience; blame the marketing team. They didn't do a lot to sell that movie. I I had I honestly had zero interest in seeing the last duel. It wasn't until I heard uh, you got like Danilo was raving about it, so I saw his tweets and reaction, and I was like, let me check this out. Um, and I, I honestly, I also just wanted to support it because I saw that it was flopping so hard. I'm a big advocate for like, you know, films taking big swings and mm. and and like films like this don't get made a lot. So I was like, let me go support this and and check it out. And I really like the movie, but don't bash the audience because now, and, and he does this the week his new movie is coming out, which is not smart. And then it just turns everybody off from you. And um, yeah, the the trailers for Last Duel were bad. They were uh, bad. I did not. They were bad. Like, I, I was not interested in this movie. That was the trailer. I remember last week. I think we talked. I don't know if it was on air or off air. We talked about trailers that we keep seeing. And that was one of them. And I was just like, I'm so tired of every movie I see is, is this trailer. Um, it was getting on my nerves. And they didn't do a good job of promoting it at all. And because that's a big deal. Like, you have, like, Adam Driver, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and, and Jodie Comer. That's a big cast, and somehow that got botched. And we'll see how House of Gucci does, but um, I think he is just struggling to stay up and hip with the younger audience, and mm-hmm. so he just wants to blame cell phones, which it just makes you sound like a crazy old man. Um, <laughs> Have you it, seen the I tweets where they'll post the headline of this, and yeah. the second picture is the the newspaper uh, cover from The Simpsons where it's like crazy old man yells at the sky and it's grandpa on the newspaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, that's that's how he's coming across and it's a really bad luck for him because he's a phenomenal director. And mm. I 
you know, he had a he had a string of garbage for a while, and um, he's got to be careful because everybody supported him when he came back with the Martian. Uh, everybody really liked that movie. I think I think it is just a a problem of enticing younger audiences because the last duel is not something that appeals to a young audience and you need to do more to sell that because um you know play up that angle of like oh this is a you know a timeless tale about like you know like like sexual harassment and in the me too era like sell that like be like oh this is what this is come check it out i and and i know that they weren't really going on like interviews at all mm -hmm. like nobody was, this movie was not Dude, Mark I didn't, I went into this basically blind after seeing a trailer. Yeah. There was the trailers that forgettable. Um, didn't even know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote it until my mom yeah, texted me exactly. as I'm in the theater, and I looked down yeah. because I forgot to turn my phone on Do Not Disturb. I'm ten minutes in the movie. She's like, "Oh, you know Ben Affleck wrote that." I'm like, "What, mom? Shut up. Leave me alone." But I know. And it, <laughs> no it came clue. out in like a very busy time too. It came out like in the like heat of october where october ended up being just like a summer month like just every week there was a hit um mm -hmm. I think venom it came 2 out halloween kills venom 2 dune no time to die halloween kills just every week it got buried in the mix there and i think it was a bad release date it was a bad ad campaign but don't blame the younger audience because they are they are the market right now mm -hmm. older audiences are not returning to theaters as much as as younger people are because they're more concerned about stuff like COVID. And when you make a two and a half hour long, um, like period piece drama, younger audiences are not going to spend their time and money on that. But 100% agree. No, it's a great movie. Even though it's a great movie. But they just do better advertising. And don't like blame it on your audience. You're, you're top dollar, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it bomb bomb. Don't get me wrong. It, it bombed hard. Oh, but yeah. aside from that, it is a tough sale. Like, it is a sexual harassment film. You see this woman yeah. go through this assault three times in the movie from three different perspectives. How the fuck do you sell that? Because clearly you didn't sell it properly. I think it's a good product, but your product is only as good as your marketing campaign in the day at some point in time. <laughs> It doesn't matter what I think about it if the other hundred people haven't even heard about it. You know? And that, that's exactly what The Last Duel was, despite its greatness. Um, well, these comments, like you said, man, it, it's almost like a spit in the face from someone who really did enjoy The Last Duel. It's in my top ten of the year. It's like, oh, now I gotta go see this guy's movie tomorrow. As I'm being bitched at because I'm a 22-year-old who... Didn't see last little opening night. Because I got it as a $5 ticket compared to a $10 ticket. Like, like sick one, Ridley. Make me feel bad yeah. for sitting through your movie. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, any comments on this? Yeah, I was going to say I saw another good Simpsons meme. And it's uh, Principal Skinner. And he says, am I out of touch? And he goes, no, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> and... I got a good chuckle out of it. <laughs> um, and I also agreed, like, when I saw the trailer for this, it didn't look interesting. And in the interview that Ridley Scott does, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, because uh, I think it was Disney who was, like, technically behind it. And he's like, oh, yeah, they did a great job with the marketing. But when I saw the trailer, like, it looked like one of those, like, 
kind of those generic movies like Kingdom of Heaven, like where you see the trailer and like, you know, it doesn't really look like anything special. Um, I definitely didn't get any of that stuff about sexual assault. Like, you know, it, to me, it just looked like one of those like generic, like, oh, guys with swords. Like, I I can't really recall like what the trailer was i just remember like i was like oh yeah it's one of those and um so yeah and and that's the thing is like he his comment like um millennials don't want um like they get their what their but they don't want to learn what is it or they don't want to be taught stuff they just want that from their phones but like that's what i loved about the green knight is that it it taught me and like was a fantastic film and a story but yeah i don't know he just seemed he seemed a little butthurt i agree i completely agree man 100 percent. i love simpsons memes though that they, they crack me up with stuff like this i saw a couple for uh the scorsese comments of course for the marvel stuff and whatnot <laughs> um harold how are you feeling about this did you? I don't think you watched Last Duel. I imagine. I haven't. You don't so, want to watch it. <laughs> I'll take your word. For it. I know to take your word for everything. So it's going to ruin your innocent mind, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any comments on the Ridley Scott uh, comments? I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's going to wrap it Don't up for the news that. this week, guys. <laughs> Let's go on to shows. <laughs> uh, first up, did anybody get a chance, um, speaking of fucking flops, because this thing sure is, did anybody get a chance to watch Tiger King 2? No. no. Did anybody know this was even coming out? <laughs> I, I heard about it. I saw the trailer, and I knew it was like, I, the trailer came out like a month ago, and I was like, "This is why didn't you hype this up all year? Like, this is like a big deal. Like, this is like your biggest show ever." But also, like, who cares? Like, I the, I liked the first season, but like, come on. Like, and I get that it was a huge success, so you need to do another one. But I I saw no reason to revisit this. Um, so that's why I haven't watched it yet. I don't know. Maybe it's good, but I don't know. I have zero desire. But I don't know. If it's boy, good, then boy. I'll watch Jake, you're in for a show, because we're getting a third season of this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Why? <laughs> ends Why? on a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh. Wait. Is it even, like, a documentary anymore? Is it just now a scripted format? Like, it, like what the hell are we doing? So, dude, Dustin, uh, do, you, do either of you care? Well, it's, it's not it's the spoilers. It's still going on. All of this stuff's headlining at this point. You can just talk about the whole thing. Like- okay. Yeah, go for it. I have no desire. Season one was like, what, eight episodes, I think? Yeah. Something like that. This is only five. They're not an hour long. They're about 40-ish, 35, 40 minutes now, which is weird. I finished this in one sitting, not knowing how much of it I was watching. Two and a half hours, I'm done. This felt like a movie. Um, And not in a good way. Was it bad? No. Was it necessary? No. But at the same time, like, it was kind of cool to see us go back and forth with this because it's during COVID time. So episode one is about Joe trying to get pardoned. 
in all of his interview parts, because, like, you know, obviously he's still in prison to this day. Actually, he just got transferred to a, a medical prison about 40 minutes from me. <laughs> uh. I was joking with my roommate saying if we want to go up there and see if we can just hang out with them in the visitation lounge. <laughs> I was going to say, there's your there's a YouTube video for the channel. Yeah, I'll get Joe Exotic on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, so episode one, like, all of his stuff, his interviews, is from prison. And it's, like, during a Skype call where I guess he's a short man, because you only see his forehead. <laughs> like, he's really close to the camera and everything. It's pretty awful. And, like, he'll look up, and you'll see his eyes. Like, I don't know where that camera is, but it's not... <laughs> close to this man at all like it's it's bad um <laughs> episode one's about him getting pardoned or trying to can you, you realize these tiger king fuckwads were at the capitol the day it was stormed they were in the fucking crowd with a banner that says please pardon joe exotic I, I was at a loss for words. These people, once they started, like, storming the Capitol, they just dipped. I was like, how the fuck are you going to show up to something, like, at such a historic day like this? Modern day history. And, like, when, now whenever I see a picture of this day, because at some point that's going to make a history book, I guarantee it. Whenever I see a picture of that day, I'm like, fuck the event. I want to see if there's a Pardon Joe Exotic sign <laughs> That's what I'm going to be looking for, man. Um, the next two or maybe even three episodes is all about Carol Baskins' dead husband, who there's a bunch of evidence about what happened to him. He was involved in, like, I don't want to call it sex trafficking, but, like, underage prostitution in um, Costa Rica. And he was like, not he was almost money laundering down there, buying properties, and then like with the properties he would purchase, though he would turn some of them into brothels for like fifteen year olds. It was rough, and everything like shit hit the fan whenever Carol Baskin went down there and like found him like with a fourteen or fifteen year old. A went missing like a week later. Um. They get a lot of, like, I assume, like, black market people on the show to speak about them claiming, no, he's still alive and down there. And they'll discuss what happened XYZ right after, you know, all the police reports were filled out. So there's, it's not concrete evidence. They don't know where he is still. But there's a lot of people saying that he's still alive. And just watching those couple episodes about that is interesting. It felt like I was watching a murder documentary more than anything, which I could applaud because that is the best part of this season. And then season five, um, all the other just fuckwads in this show are just going back and forth. Everyone who was against Joe is now pro Joe. It's dude. So say what you want to say about, you know, Joe exotic, you know, being guilty or whatnot, right? This show basically proved he was innocent for the hit for hire this season did. Which is wild to me. The hitman comes clean in this season. 
And so it ends with them, like, turning in the evidence. And we, we still, of course, know that Joe Exotic's currently in prison and now has prostate cancer. But it's fucking wild. Is it great? By no means is it great. Um, if you watch season one, go ahead, sit down for two hours and watch season two. Because, uh, man, it's there's a story that's not finished yet because we're definitely getting season three. But um, who had a chance to watch Hawkeye today? I know it just dropped the first two episodes. Uh, just Jake? Yeah? Yeah, I saw it. How do you how do you feel about it? Episode one um, first. Episode one, uh, I really like the intro scene a lot. I thought that was really cool. Um, I don't know right now how I feel about them focusing so much on Kate Bishop. I love Haley Steinfeld, but I think if we're getting a Hawkeye show. I think, and especially like considering that he has been here for a long time, and I'm sure his run might be close to done. I'm not sure how this series is going to end with Jeremy Renner, but I feel like we should be getting more Jeremy Renner at the forefront because we've never had a standalone Hawkeye thing. So I don't know why we're spending so much time with Haley Seinfeld when this is supposed to be like his moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I like her. Uh, I thought she was charming and, 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 you know, gets herself into trouble too much. And she's like very much like a, um, uh, she doesn't have it all figured out yet. You know, like she's not like perfect. Um, and she definitely is like kind of a fuck up at times and like, you know, kind of botches things. And that's really funny to me. And I think that causes for some great scenarios in these two episodes. Um, but Definitely, I would like more Hawkeye as the show goes on. I know they're kind of, that's like the comic it's based on. It's like they're both Hawkeye. But um, I would like to see more Jeremy Renner. Uh, the stuff that we did get with Jeremy Renner, I actually really loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the whole, like, Rogers the musical thing. I thought that was genius. Um, the whole LARPing scene was hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty um, funny. I, it was funny. Uh, I, I think also... I saw this comparison on YouTube a little while ago, and I can't quite get it out of my head. It feels very Netflix Marvel, where it's very street level. Um, you could tell that they're kind of like, you know, minimizing the budget by like filming at night and, and making sure they can kind of hide some of the sloppy choreography or like the effects. Um, you could definitely see that, and I, it hasn't gotten out of my head. Also, the tracksuit mafia, like this like gang of bad guys. Mm-hmm really cheesy um but i kind of love it because as soon as they showed up i was like they sound like npcs in a video game they do. like like they sound they sound like npcs like like in like arkham asylum or like the spider-man game mm-hmm. like they just the, the first moment um no crazy spoilers Haley steinfeld is like about to fight a bunch of tracksuit mafia people that's all i'll say and they all pull up like in cars and they all get out of the car and they're all like, we're going to kick your ass. Like you could just tell it's all like, just like it's cheesy. Dubbed yeah. over. It's so funny. I, I couldn't get that out of my head when I was watching it. I'm like, these guys are just saying NPC lines and they're all like, we're going to, we're going to kick your ass. And they're all just waiting to fucking get their asses beat. I loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
that was my favorite because I'm playing the Miles Morales Spider game right now, and it's oh, like okay. that is that is what happens. Like they just all gang up on you, and then like the, the guys that aren't like supposed to be attacking you at that moment are just standing there like that, and it's so funny because that's what's happening in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that stuff, and they're silly. Like it's it's so far it's very much like played for laughs. I love the holiday vibe. I love the whole Christmas angle. I thought that was pretty funny uh, and pretty you know fun, especially around the holidays. But um. I'm going to keep watching it, but I'm not blown away. I don't dislike it. Uh, I think it's probably somewhere around, like, the Falcon and Winter Soldier quality for me. Like, it's not a WandaVision. It's not a Loki. I like it, though. Um, I'm definitely engaged, and I want to keep watching it. But Mm. I definitely need a lot more Renner. And uh, just maybe, like, some, like... Maybe, like, some more Easter eggs, too. Like, I feel like it's not really, like connecting in the way that, and I don't I don't need everything to be connected but I feel like this seeing that this is the first show that we're getting with an original like sixth Avenger guy like one yeah. of the original Avengers I feel like we should get some more backstory some more like tie-ins with him where like he kind of we get a little insight into to Clint Barton's mind I would love to see that more and get to know him because we haven't really gotten time for that in the movies I feel like um, but I'm excited to keep watching it. I enjoyed it so far. I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I do. I gotta be honest. I do not like Jeremy Renner as an actor. Um, I really I I like him as Hawkeye because I've been with him since the third MCU movie or fourth whatever. That's it. You know. Um. If he died instead of Black Widow in Endgame, I wouldn't have felt any emotion, I don't think. Um, I'm glad he's still a part of everything. It's cool. I do like Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, even though before this I didn't really care for her too, too much. So this is good. Um, give me a chance to actually appreciate her as an actress, because I didn't like Bumblebee very much. Um, I thought it was very forgettable. I like her as Gwen Stacy in Into the Spider-Verse, but that's just voice acting. Didn't even know it was her until I looked it up. Um, I don't mind they're focusing more on her, especially in that first episode. I think it was a strong introduction for her character that wasn't too forced upon. We can ease our way into it, but we're getting a, a good a good start off her feet with that character. Um, but the lack of Clint Barton for me works because I don't like him as an actor very much. Like, I don't care for him. I don't despise him, but it's like any second he's not on the screen, I'm not upset by it. Like, I'm very indifferent about Jeremy Renner. Think he's cool? That's about it. You know, um... That being said, I I enjoyed the episodes. I think so far, it... It's one of the weaker premieres, I, I'd say that at least, of the three other live-action MCU shows. Um, but also, I could see long run this being maybe second or third favorite, with WandaVision still being number one. Um, I, I don't care for Loki, looking back on it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful with it more than anything. As far as what I think will happen to Clint, because he's going deaf, and we get a really nice scene of his youngest son, too, and I think the second episode, 
where his his kids are already learning ASL because his hearing's declining. I thought that was very sweet. Um, I think he's finally going to get the the piece he deserves to, to retire with his family. I don't think he's going to get killed off. Hopefully, um, I it, it's a good passing the torch because we're getting a moment to ride out with them being not quite equals. But not where he's just talking down to her the entire time, if that makes sense. Like, he's yeah, talking like down to her, but he's not a dick about it. Right. You know, and we're going to actually get time for that to develop, that bond as a, a mentor and apprentice kind of relationship, without it feeling rushed compared to a film, I feel like. So, I'm, you know, when we got two episodes, it'll be a month-long season, pretty short, because um, they got Book of Boba Fett coming out. But... I hope it finishes out strong. Who knows? But yeah, that's a wrap for shows this week. Uh, stream of the week is a Hulu original called Minding the Gap. This is a indie documentary about a couple friends skateboarding and their lives growing up together. I think it takes place over two, maybe three years. Um, it's also part of the Criterion Collection and I think channel, if I'm not mistaken. Great documentary. If you enjoyed the A24 film, mid-90s, I think you'll love this. It has that same kind of brotherly bond with these uh, individuals. So, good stuff. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and go over our rating system in case you're new to the show. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and discuss three of the four Ghostbusters films. We'll be right back, guys. Oh, hi, Mark. The Galaxy of Film rating system is based off planets featured within the Star Wars films. From our highest rating to lowest, here is the order in which we rate these films. Number 5. Coruscant, the entire planet is one big city. Number 4. Bespin, it's pretty far, but I think we can make it. Mining colony? Yeah, Tabana gas mine. Number 3. Like you did by the lake on Naboo. Number 2. Set your course for the Hawk system. And lastly, number one. Gotta get back to Jakku. Back to Jakku! Why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? Alright, and we're back from our quick break. We're going to go ahead and discuss the 1984 <laughs> film written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. None other than the original Ghostbusters. Personally, one of my favorite films of all time. Um, we've all seen this movie a thousand times, correct? I assume so. I hope to fucking God. Right. Yeah, I would say close to that. Okay. So many times. I'm glad. I'm glad. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um. All right. So where do we begin with this? We have, you know, three scientists, three, three men who are fascinated, interested in the paranormal. We have starring Bill Murray, you know, Peter Vinkman. He doesn't take it too serious. He's doing this almost a scam necessarily he's just trying to pick up women with this electroshock game i guess you could call it that he's playing with these people um anyways there's a ghost in a library it who the fuck hasn't seen this movie do i need to explain it to people honestly now that i think about it like who it's ghostbusters it sounds stupid when you just say it out loud the more i'm talking about it but it's, it's mad. This was lightning captured in a bottle, honestly. It's four individuals. It started off as three. 
they're scientists, they're interested in the paranormal, they're living in Manhattan, they end up uh, catching ghosts for a living. You know, it, it kind of happens on accident after they meet this first ghost, and then they make a whole, like a, a fran not a franchise, they make a business out of it. And they hire on a fourth person, you know, Ernie Hudson's character, Winston. And at some point, they end up awakening a demigod, Gozer, and they have to go um, to the top of this building in Central Park, which we learn, it, it briefly mentioned this film, and we'll discuss it later on again in this episode. This is basically like an antenna to a like supernatural portal, necessarily, to for Gozer to come through. It's kind of weird. They do a better job explaining it, obviously. It's brought up in this film, but it's touched upon later on in much greater detail, which is something I love. Um, yeah. They have to defeat Gozer. They have to defeat the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's If you have not seen Ghostbusters, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you, honestly. Um, Jake, when was the first time you watched this movie? Oh, man. Um... Watched it and like remembered what I saw because I yeah. might have seen it when I was a child, but I think I saw it not that long ago, which is surprising. I think I watched it for the first time, hmm, honestly, probably around when the 2016 one came out. Really, yeah, like I took me a little while to get like into it. Like, I like I was, I, I mean looking back you know i love the first one but it took me a while to, to watch it i don't know why i think maybe i just, it just never came to me like I, I was more of the back to the future indiana jones star wars i was never really the ghostbusters kid but i like it i think it's really good but mm -hmm. yeah it never never came to me when i was younger for me i think the first time i watched it where i remember it well i think i was like 10 i want to say it was late elementary school for me. It was like a year or so after I watched Back to the Future for the first time. Maybe that's another reason why I always affiliate the two movies with each other. Um, I fell in love with it. This was like one of my first Netflix rentals. I think maybe my first one. I think this was the only one we rented through the mail, actually. Um, I fell in love with this movie. I remember my freshman year of high school, I was told that we could dress up for Halloween. I was the only person in my entire high school that dressed up, and I was a Ghostbuster. <laughs> a walking nice. over an inflatable proton pack and everything. It was terrible, dude. <laughs> I got a picture somewhere. Um, my friends and I, I, I met Ernie Hudson a couple of years ago with a buddy of mine. So we, we have this image of uh, me, Ernie Hudson, and this one friend. And... All my other friends were jealous, so they photoshopped themselves into the picture. And it progressively just got worse and worse over the years. So, um, we... I think I talked about this in the podcast a couple months ago. A running gag my friends and I had. We, we had this life-size minion from Despicable Me that we carried everywhere we went. Like, we had an Instagram page for it and everything. And so, in this picture, the minion was Stay Puff. Um, my friend Colin was uh, Rick Moranis' character, which looks oddly uncanny. 
Um, we made my other friend Slimer. Uh, another friend is uh, Evo Ivo from Ghostbusters Two. It, it, it progressively just got worse and worse as time went on. Um, I could not tell you how many times where I'm with a group of friends in my car and we just scream out with the windows down the Ghostbusters lyrics. This is like a a personal like friend film of mine. Whenever we get together, we put on Ghostbusters for whatever reason. Like it, I don't know what about this movie, but it became like my my group movie, and I love it for that. Um, Dustin, what about you? What did what is your first experience of this film that you can remember? Um, so I was like Jake, where I really sat down and watched it for the first time around when the 2016 movie was coming out. Um, because mm-hmm. like I don't know, growing up, um, I remember it was on TV, and of course it was at the part where, um, sorry, Dan Aykroyd's character, uh, Race Dance, he's about to get uh, freaky with a ghost. And that was, you know, right when my dad walked in and shut it off. So, like, I wasn't allowed to watch it, mm-hmm. I guess, when I was younger. And then it wasn't until I was older that I was like, you know, I'd, I'd like to sit down and actually give this a watch. But, and and I loved it. And it's one of those films where I feel like the more I go back and revisit it. In fact, I just rewatched it uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Like there's more I noticed from it and cause there's a lot of like subtle, subtle moments and humor. And it's like, the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it. It ages so well with Bill Murray's like dry comedy in this. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most about it. I think the more I watch it, the funnier it gets. Cause not only did I watch it last week, I rewatched it in this morning. Like it just doesn't get old for me. You have two of the greatest comedy actors of all time at the peak of their career, fresh off of SNL, coming together for this. Of great chemistry together, of course. Um, Harold Ramis, who is just the the nerdiest fucking dude you can believe, who's also hilarious. You have Ernie Hudson, who's just kind of like your average guy who is there for just the fucking paycheck. His innocence, in a way, is is, is charming and alone. Um you know, Rick Moranis, do I need to say more about that, man? <laughs> um, gosh, I fucking love the cast of this movie, honestly. But, Harold, what about you? What is your first memory of, of Ghostbusters? Um, so, really funny story. I didn't watch the movie until 2017. Not 2017, 2007. That, that sounds Oh, I was about to judge you, Harold. Ooh. Jesus. It's still pretty crazy, but... So I have watched the cartoons first. And, okay. Um, let's see. How did I find out about it? Oddly enough, I think one day like our school was out or something. So mm-hmm. I was just happy to be out from school. And then I'm looking on a guide and I'm like, Ghostbuster. You know, on the old TV guide, it used to have like, the length of how long something was. I'm like, yeah. I don't think none of the cartoons was this long. So I'm just checking out. I'm like, there's a movie? I'm like, where did this movie come out? I'm like, What? So I watched it instantly, fell in love with it. And then I'm just looking at the movie, and then it's like the sequel, and like there was a second one. So then I go and watch the second one. I was like, this is good, and you know, really good. 
I, I love both of them. And I'm actually glad I got to watch them because two years later, I think that's when the video game came out. So it was yeah, a something story. like that. Yeah. So, did anybody else get to watch the cartoon growing up or at all? Yeah, cartoons were awesome. Jake, did you watch? You didn't watch the cartoon? No, I never saw the cartoon. I've only seen uh, these four films. Okay, what about you, Dustin? Did you watch the show at all? Yeah, I watched. Um, so around 2016, I I just like super got into Ghostbusters, and I ended up finding a like a box set of the. Because it was, it was called the real Ghostbusters, wasn't yeah. it? It was called the real and, Ghostbusters uh, because it was a different cartoon that took mm-hmm. the name Ghostbusters after the success oh, of the yeah. movie that had nothing to do with the series at all. And so, like, when they were doing the actual Ghostbusters show, it's like, ah, shit, we can't just the show's on air. We can't have it be the same name. So they just put emphasis on the real, and then they got renamed. At one point, the Slimer, and I think the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think like the the Ghostbusters. Well, I think this was before the Extreme Ghostbusters came out. I'm really not sure though. Yeah, that was the second show they had in the 2000s, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't that like with uh, Winston's son? I want to say, or someone's son. I think so. It's been a while since I've seen the show, but yeah. I remember Egon's in that. I think he's the only older Ghostbuster who's, like, active with the crew. I never watched too much of that shit. I've watched a couple episodes. Um, I yeah, think that was I don't know before too much I watched the movie. It. it was odd. Yeah. But that first one's good. It made Slimer, like, the mascot of the, of the, uh, of the franchise, almost. The unofficial mascot. Which, speaking of Slimer, um, you know, one of the things I, I love most about his character is that Dan Aykroyd made a statement a while back. That is, because originally Vankman was supposed to be played by Bill Murray. It's supposed to be John Belushi, and I'm a, a massive Blues Brothers fan. Um, that is my third favorite film of all time. I love a Briefcase Full of Blues is my favorite albums. Absolutely adore the Blues Brothers. But Dan Aykroyd made the statements before saying that Slimer is supposed to be like the the spirit of John Belushi. Which I absolutely adore as a nice little tribute to him. Um, Jake, off the top of your head, what are just some of the things you love about Ghostbusters, the first film? Um, I love how everything sort of feels improvised. Like it, it's very like quick, and like Bill Murray and and all the other actors are playing off of each other, and you can really tell that it's like a group of comedians like coming together with a really great like elevator pitch concept and just making like <clears throat> sometimes with movies i prefer when it's simple and straight to the point this movie is perfect like that where mm-hmm. it's you know we don't really get into too much of like the lore with the refrigerator and like how does this all work? What is who is Gozer? What is this? What's going on? Who's Zool? What like what is all this shit? It's just there. And I really love that. <clears throat> Cuz I I hate it in movies when everything sort of needs to be explained. I really like the mysterious and like the wonder of it where like these characters are learning it as we are and it just all like sort of worked out really nicely that these ghostbusters were formed and while this like a 
apocalyptic thing is happening. And these like slubby guys are going to go and like save the day. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so funny. And I think it's, it's really great comedy and it's, it is legitimately funny. Um, which I really appreciate. And maybe that's what makes it stand out from all those other classic eighties movies is it's like, this is a really funny movie. That's just like having fun and doesn't take itself seriously uh, doesn't get too caught up in the lore of it all and try to explain everything and just has a good time. It's it's not too long. It's really kind of short and sweet and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It perfectly kind of tells the story. Uh, you believe it all. They, they get together and the pacing is flawless. Like, I'm just glad you bring flies that up. By. It's so good. It just it, it moves quickly and it really just gets straight to the point. It wastes no time. There's no fat on this movie. It is just lean and it goes. And I really appreciate that. It um, does. It's one of the easiest movies to watch, in my opinion. Absolutely. Easy cool. to just turn on and just watch. And you you can watch it back to back. Like so I watched this last week. I watched it today. I think this is like my fourth time watching it this year. Um it, it it's easy, man. It's an hour and like thirty five minutes, forty maybe. Um, soundtrack's killer. You know, Ray Park Junior's great. Ray Parker Junior's great. Um, gosh, yeah, it's it's straight to the point of this whole movie, and I love that about it. There is no fat, like you said. The comedy just gets better over time, especially with Bill Murray. Um, Bill Murray got better over time too. I I hope that man never dies. To just be flat He's out with me. you. But, Dustin, what about you? What are some of the things you love about the 84 film? Um, I love just how, like... I mean, because it is simple, but, like, you can tell that they put a lot of thought into the story and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the way, the way the story unfolds, it feels very, like... Um, I don't know, because... I feel like with modern storytelling, a lot of times it's just, like, stuff happening, and there's not a lot of, like, rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, oh, it's happening because we wrote it. And, like, in Ghostbusters, um, the 1984, like, everything just kind of happens, and it, like, makes sense. You know, it's there's, like, a natural progression to the story. and mm. But it's all done in, like, this, I don't know, this, like, casual way that just feels, like, effortless. And then you've got, like, um, and then I think another reason why it, like, holds up so well is, like, um, the more I learn, like, different scenes and different lines that were, like, ad-libbed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. To me, it makes it even it makes it makes even better to know that there's, like, all these classic moments that were just made up on the fly. I agree. It just adds a bit of, um... It adds a bit more soul into it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, most definitely. Harold, what about you? Do you have any specific things off the top of your mind that make you adore this movie? The characters. I like the, the actors. I like how they play their roles a lot. Especially, um... Don Ackroyd playing Ray Stance. He's my favorite Ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like how they played their characters and their roles. It was very funny. And amazing, you know. That's why I really love the movie. Just all the characters, not just the Ghostbusters, but everybody who played their roles were really good. So. Is there anything about the original you don't like, Harold? No. 
Okay. Because I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I, I absolutely fucking adore this movie. Uh, Jake, anything you don't like for whatever reason? Um, I think some, and this is this is a nitpick, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Some of the, like, effects don't hold up. Like, I think particularly the part where the the dog is, like, chasing Rick, Rick Moranis. That part, I'm like, oh, the compositing here looks a little weird. But honestly, like I said, nitpick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe it's just because I haven't grown up with it. And maybe that's why these things stick out to me. But in a, in a time with, like, Star Wars and just a lot of other, like, amazing like, visual effects, I was like, oh, this, 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 this probably could be better. But that being said, it's, it's, it's pretty great. That's fair, because like you said, you didn't grow up with it, so I understand you you don't have that uh not blind nostalgia like I do for it almost. I get it. It is a great movie though. I get it. Um, Dustin, what about you? Any any nitpicks at all for you? Um, kind of piggyback off that. Um I I would say the effects, but it's more so one of the reasons I didn't like get into the movie sooner was like, I remember being at some, like it was some like haunted hayride thing and they had ghostbusters playing like on a big screen. And I remember like seeing the effects and I'm like, Oh, this looks like pretty cheesy. And so it didn't like particularly interest me like effect, like effects wise. But mm-hmm. um, just recently when I rewatched it, cause I've got like the blu-ray of it. And just like it didn't look as cheesy as I remembered, you know, maybe it's just the quality of the print, whatever they were showing. But like, um, you can tell there's a lot of like care and like it. It seems like it had a pretty pretty decent budget, but that that was going to be like the only like nitpick. But it it's like a nitpick, but also at the same time, like I like appreciate the effects more and like what they were able to accomplish without like CGI. Okay. That's respectful, though. It's interesting to say, hey, Ryan, you watched this at one point? Yeah, it was like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Blake's. It's, I mean, Blake's Orchard, it's in, like, where I'm at in, like, Michigan. Um, but they had, like, this, it was kind of like an outdoor event, and they had a big screen up and would play, like, family-friendly, like, spooky movies, and they had Ghostbusters on. So okay. you like, to like sit and eat cider and donuts and like watch watch the movie on the screen. That's interesting, actually. We we had stuff like that, but it was uh, they it was it was odd because they would try to play a horror film at this one haunted house I would go to on the big projector. But I remember like after a certain time, some people would complain about it, so they just put on like the Great Pumpkin as a replacement. <laughs> but that's interesting though. Um. Jake, what would you what would you rate Ghostbusters? So I think I'll probably give this uh, a really, really, really solid death bin. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I think maybe it's just the not growing up with it and then some of those effect shots. But overall, it's really, really great. And it's I think the more I rewatch it, I think I will get it closer to that Coruscant because I do love it. And I think it's like I said, it's just I didn't have it with my childhood, unfortunately. But it is really great. Okay, okay. For me, it's it's a flat course on, dude. Uh, I watch this multiple times a year. 
I um, thankfully when I turned 20, I went to New York for a weekend. I got to see the the firehouse in person, which was really cool. I actually um, there was this like little like hook screwed into the side of it. Like clearly they were using it to like rope something off at one point. Um, but it was just drilled into the side of the firehouse. So I unscrewed it and took it home with me. I have it dangling on my wall. I adore this movie. I have a Ghostbusters movie poster in my hallway signed by Aykroyd, Rick Moranis, and Hudson. I got a pop signed by Hudson up here. Um, I I love Ghostbusters. I think I always will. This is, I think, I think it's number five in my top ten. I fucking adore this movie. Um, Dustin, what would you rate Ghostbusters? Uh, for me, it's a solid four and a half out of five. And okay. I think like like with Jake said, I think if I had watched this more growing up, I'd definitely rank it higher. Um, but but yeah, for me, it's like it's 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 pretty it's pretty much up there with like all the classic like 80s 80s comedies. That's that's understandable. OK, what about you, Harold? Definitely five out of five. There you go. That's what I want to hear. Um, let's go ahead and I suppose we can talk about Ghostbusters 2 now which uh, is kind of kind of famous uh, for not being so so hot five years later this also came out five years after the first film Uh, the Ghostbusters are kind of a joke their business is dying and whatnot Um, they discover this slime and first of all, I'll say to this day, it reminds me of Flubber with Robin Williams. I'll never get the slime and rubber un like they they will always go hand in hand for me for whatever reason. Um, they discover this slime that reacts to moods. They end up having to go through a court trial and everything. It's a fucking mess. So they're having to like beg the mayor constantly through this film. And jump through hoops to prove themselves worthy to actually bust some fucking ghosts in this film. Um, through the meanwhile, Sigourney Weaver's character, who's obviously Bill Murray's love interest from the first film, she's had a son with the orchestra guy from the last film as well because they just did not work out between this five-year gap. Um, she's now an artist, and her mentor... I believe it's her mentor, that or the professor of this class... Um, anyways, this man is just obsessed with her, and he's also obsessed with this painting that is possessed by a, another demigod, uh, Eivor the Conqueror? Right, Jake, I think? Yeah, Eivor? Yeah. Like Vigo, 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 Eric, not Eivor, yeah. Vigo. Vigo. Um... Yeah, so it's the the mood slime is of being affected by the Vigo painting. It's a weird plot. I gotta be honest with you. Um, Vigo has the artist mentor go ahead and kidnap this child so he can be, you know, he can put his spirit into the child. And then at some point, the Ghostbusters have to go ahead, and once they prove themselves worthy to the mayor, they use this mood to take over the Statue of Liberty, to break this barrier, to go stop Vigo. Yeah. This this plot's a little more out there than anything. Um, my friend Mark, I, he, I think the best thing, the best way to describe this movie is the way he told me about it. 
Ghostbusters 2 is almost as if they took the plot of an episode of the real Ghostbusters and made it a movie. Like, this whole thing feels cartoony and animated more than anything. Um, like, you know, there's more Slimer in this as well. We see some of the other ghosts who I believe are also inspired from the action figure line, which is pretty successful throughout this thing. Um, it's a bit more family-friendly than the first one. Not a lot of dick jokes compared to that one. Um, yeah, it, it's a bit more kid-oriented, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. It gives it a more, out of the three films in this series, um, it gives it a most unique feel, I'll say for sure. You know, each one has its footing, and this one is a bit more kid-friendly. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, out of the three, I mean, I think we all know where this one stands. But, um, Jake, what do you do? You have any odd memories of this one particularly? So this one I actually rewatch. I actually have, this is like the one I saw the most recent other than the newest one. Okay. I saw this like early November, I guess, like very early this month. Um and I kind of respect the weird plot. Um I like the idea of having like the goo like be hatred basically and that's why New York City is all like filled with assholes. I think I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um and, like, the ending where everybody kind of bands together, and then you got the Statue of Liberty, like, fucking walking. Uh, and it mirrors the first one in a way, where it's now the Statue of Liberty instead of the Say Puff, and sort of like a sign of good as opposed to a sign of evil. That's all cool. Um, the villain's, like, creepy, but also, like, I think I read this somewhere, like, he's dubbed, which was so weird to me. Like, I think the, the voice actor was dubbed over with somebody else. I and think once so. you like, yeah, and once you know that, you can't like unsee it or unhear it. It's so weird, and it looks off. Um, yeah, they definitely felt handcuffed this time around, where like they weren't allowed to really go off script. It felt like, um, even though the script was already kind of a mess, um, I, I didn't really. I think Rick Moranis started to wear on me in this one too. I love him in the first one. Um, but I think he just got a little... He was a little overused in this one. Um, I think a little Rick Moranis goes a very long way. And I think in this one, I was just kind of like, I'm over this. Like, and, and he has like this weird like little... I think a lot of it was cut. I think I... Because I, I did a lot of research after this. Because I was so curious about like the making of this movie. Um, they had like a whole plot with Slimer and Rick Moranis... Mm-hmm. which is so weird to me. And I was like, and you could see it, like the bones of that in the movie still. And I was like, this is so odd. Um, there's like a redesign of Slimer. Like he, it's like a different puppet. It looks um, weird in this one. It looks very weird. Um, even though like, I, I didn't mention this in the, the review for the first Ghostbusters. I really appreciate the use of practical like puppets. Like that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I really like respect that for these two movies doing that, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just all over the place for me. Uh, I didn't really like all the stuff with like Sigourney Weaver's baby. I was just like, this is all so strange. Um, but I do kind of respect how strange it was, even though it is like not a good movie at all. Um, <laughs> but it's it's enjoyable. It's a fun, silly movie. Mm-hmm. 
and it's fun to see all these characters interact. It's always fun, even if it's like not great. I love the scene at the beginning with the little kid's birthday party. That was a lot of fun. Um, and the courthouse scene is great. Well, the courthouse um, was the best part, I think. Best part in the whole movie, easily. Because um, it felt the most like the original. Uh, but, you know, it was a little disappointing. But it's fine. And I, and I'm, I can see why I spent so, such a long time not seeing this one. Because I was mm. like, oh, I didn't even know they made a Ghostbusters 2 with the original guys. I got to check that out. And I was like, oh, this is why nobody really talks about that. Because it's not that great. But, yeah. It's okay. I, I first of all, want to say I absolutely love throughout this thing how they use the Ghostbusters 2 logo with the ghost popping out of the two fingers. It's on the side of the firehouse. It's on their jumpsuits. I love that. I think it's the smartest, like, sequel placement you can do in a movie. It fits because it's their return as well as a company. So I love that. Um, gosh. the Like I said, the slime reminds me of a lot of Flubber. And I think this movie would have been a lot better if it stuck with that. Like, just an overall slime creature, necess- or in a way, um, as to why New Yorkers are just assholes. And I think if they had that being a main antagonist, you know, this slime having a conscious and, and doing this on purpose, um, making, like, an army of New Yorkers going into Statue of Liberty, I think that would have been a much better plot than throwing that in with the, the Vigo painting. Because I think that's my main issue with this. The painting, whole, the whole painting idea just does not work for me. The whole Vigo thing, it, it kills it quite a bit. Um, maybe if Vigo was possessing the slime, like if his consciousness was with the slime somehow, I maybe it would have made it better. Like that final confrontation just isn't, um, I don't want to say believable because none of this is believable, technically. I mean, I'm, no one's going to goo the Statue of Liberty putting it put in the nes controller and walk this thing halfway across manhattan you know it's not believable one bit but at the same time it's like okay it's not as threatening as a painting just zapping dan Aykroyd for a second compared to a god knows how tall stay puff marshmallow man getting ready to destroy the city the stakes just aren't there in my opinion compared to the first one um as far as like rick moranis stuff goes um, I don't mind him being used much more in this. I do not in this movie like Annie Potts almost at all. The secretary. I thought her stuff from the first film, I thought, she, you know, a little Annie Potts goes a long way compared to this one. I find her character just be annoying in the sequel. Um, yeah. I do like the, the slime stuff quite a bit, though. It reminds me of the Mario movie and not in an unpleasant way. Because I have weird memories of the Mario movie. Which, also, if you haven't checked that episode out, check it out. Because Harold's also in that episode. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, dude, Ghostbusters 2 is one of those things where... You know, it's talked bad upon quite a bit. You know, no one praises the sequel except a very select few. But, like, upon rewatching it, anytime I do... It's not as bad as I remember for whatever reason. Like, it's not great. It's not... I mean, it's okay, it's good, I guess. Like, there's parts of it I, I think are good. But it's not great one bit. It's fine. It's just a forgettable sequel in a sense. It's forgettable in a sense that it 
doesn't capture the original lightning in a bottle, but it tries to. Um, Harold, what about you? Do you have any, you know, what, what were off the top of your head? What are some things you like about Ghostbusters too? What are your feelings? Um, well, you know, the movie came out five years after the original, but I seen it five hours after I first seen it. So, watching the first ten minutes of it, I was, you know, I was lost. I was like, oh, it took me a while to figure out, like, oh, so, like, their business is down now. They all, like, separated, or at least, like, except for, um... Um, Ray and Egon, and mm-hmm. the rest of them like went their separate ways. So I get into it. It's it's pretty good, I guess. Um, focus more on um, Bill's Murray love life with I don't know what her name is Sigourney but, Weaver. Uh, yeah, and you know the movies revolves around Igor trying to take the body of the baby. So the story the story is good. It's like you said, it's not as interesting as the first one was. And you know the threat isn't as as big as it was, but I re- I enjoyed the movie. I really think it was cool, and you know they did kind of downsize the comedy so it wouldn't be as many dirty jokes as it was in the first one. So it's more family friendly. So it was still pretty cool, but I do agree that the first one was better, and they did their best, so it was still pretty cool. But yeah. what about you, I- Dustin? How are you feeling towards the sequel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I saw it, like, when I, like I said, around 2016, 2017, like, when I was getting into it, and I had read a lot of people just not liking the sequel, um, just thinking it sucked. So kind of going in with that mindset, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I was expecting. Um, In fact, I kind of, like, at the time, I, like, enjoyed it as much as the original. Mm. Um. And I think it, it it definitely has to do with the like my expectations like before it, um, but I don't know. I'd like to revisit it again like now because it it like I said it has been a little bit since I've watched it, but I do remember like you know really enjoying it, but also appreciating like you know we're not going to get another movie where we get the whole cast again. So like just getting to experience another movie with the same cast and. It was all, like, I think, like, everybody who, like, wrote and directed the original, like, they have the same roles in this one. So it was, like, they really did try to make, like, a a genuinely good Ghostbusters sequel. Um, so, like, you know, I appreciate that aspect. Oh, I thought it was my bad. <laughs> I thought you were finishing the sentence. Um, oh, sorry. No, you're good. My, yeah, my inflection was misleading. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I I can agree with that, man. It to me almost this feels like the. This is a bad comparison. This almost feels like uh, like a getting the band back together, but it not being quite the same. In a sense, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's still there. Everyone still does the same thing, but um, the time just it doesn't line up perfectly, but. Uh, Jake, what are some some gripes that you have? Any particular that you haven't discussed already? Uh, other than that, uh, I, I think everything I said, I'm pretty much 
pretty much how I'm feeling. I think it's just a weird sequel that, like, it probably shouldn't have been made. It's, like, a weird plot. And I believe I read a story that would pretty much just sum it all up. I read a story about the cast agreeing on one script, and they showed up to film, and there was a totally different script. So I believe that. And I'm sure that, like, they agreed on a great sequel, and they all had good ideas for it, and they were going to bounce them off of each other and improvise and have a lot of fun with it. And then they showed up with the studio revised script, and then that's what they filmed. And Bill Murray was probably pissed, and I'm sure this is the reason we haven't had a proper Ghostbusters 3. Because of this, you know, it's like they swore off that day whenever they finish filming this, that uh, we're not going to reunite unless we all think the idea is phenomenal. And I guess that didn't happen. So we never got a, like, a proper Ghostbusters 3, you know? Um, but it's uh, I respect it for being weird and kind of unconventional, but it's not good. <laughs> um, for me, my biggest gripe is the, the Vigo thing, honestly. Um this movie does some funky things that I can appreciate, even if they don't land too much, you know, if it doesn't stick to landing. I do agree. I think this is why Bill Murray just, I think he got fed up after this. And it's kind of funny because my Facebook memories of the day, I went to like one of the Hollywood wax museums and I don't know what movie it was, but there's a, a statue of Bill Murray where he just looks angry as shit. And I remember I posed next to it and I was like, Oh, and my caption was, you're never getting Ghostbusters 3. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I don't know. That's Vigo's my main gripe with this thing. It's harmless other than that, I feel like. Uh, but Dustin, what about you? What are some of the big things that just aren't sticking up for you with this? Um, so, like, you mean, like, gripes with the movies? Yeah. Um, there might be a little... Like I said, a little hard for me to answer just because of how long it's been since I've seen it. Mm. Um, I personally, like, I know you said, like, the, I guess it was a bit toned down. Like, they wanted it more family friendly. Um, But I guess in that regard, (laughs) my biggest gripe would be having the studio, studio involvement because whenever the studios get involved, that's when things... Like, basically, any complaints you have about a movie, it's, like, most of the time, like, 99.9% of the time, it's the studio involvement and too many hands in the kitchen and, you know, they're trying to make things more marketable and, like, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, like, I would have loved to have seen how this movie would have been with the original script before the studio got involved because maybe we'd be, you know, having a different conversation. I, I can agree on that. I know my friend Mark said that the IDW Ghostbusters comics has they, they take upon some more of the the weird creative liberties. So I wonder if they've adapted the original script at all, or if it's ever been released. Because I know in that comic series, mm. like the '84 team has met the 2016 team. They've met the animated real Ghostbusters team as well. They even met the Ninja Turtles, which is kind of funny. Um, so oh, I wonder yeah. if they'll ever, you know, do a comic adaptation of the original script or how different it is. That is pretty interesting, though. Um, could you, yeah, you I can would tell. like because I actually don't know. I don't know what was in the original script. 
no clue. <laughs> no clue at all. Other than you can just tell certain um, certain scenes because they're not, you know, as improv- uh, improvising as much as they could have or as they should have, I should even say. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harold, what about you? Anything in particular you just don't care for too much of this film? Um, I don't really have anything to say particularly, but, you know, I was just listening to your thoughts on this one. <laughs> well, Harold, what would you rate Ghostbusters to? Four. Okay. Still love it. Okay, what about you, Jake? Go off and a half. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> you know. For me, it is an Abu. You know, it, it's just good. It's just good. That's it. What about you, uh, Dustin? Um, I was going to go with a four as well, just because. And like I said, I will. I'm going to give it a rewatch and like see what my thoughts are. But based on the last time I watched it, I would have given it a four. So that's what I'm sticking with. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, gentlemen, this is the part of the show I've been dreading for for five years. The other day, and it, it took me three days to finish this movie. The other day I finally began watching Ghostbusters 2016. Um, for lack of better words, this is almost the same plot as the original just copy paste edit submit that's that's what this movie is copy paste edit submit um, it's modernized so it takes place in 2016 um, I, I hate to say what I have to say Kristen Wiig is basically Vankman Melissa McCarthy's Ray uh, what what's her fucking bucket uh, I couldn't even McKinnon Kate McKinnon, yeah. Yep, Kate McKinnon, mm-hmm. yep. She is Egon. Leslie Jones is Ernie Hudson. Or, excuse me, Winston. I keep calling it Ernie Hudson because I know him. Um, his son is in another movie I like, Ernie Hudson Jr. But Winston, or Leslie Jones is basically Winston. Could not tell you a single one of the characters' names. I don't remember. Um, Chris Hemsworth is basically Annie Potts' character, the secretary. And. You know, even Stay Puff is copy, paste, edit, submit. It is the Ghostbusters logo in this film. Um, basically the same plot, to be honest. These scientists who are fascinated by the paranormal get caught up in some fucking wacky ghost shit, become Ghostbusters. Leslie Jones' character needs a job, joins the Ghostbusters... Gotta save the world, but instead, this time, um, instead of you know dealing with a, a demigod, they're dealing with someone who like has this device who can like bring ghosts to their dimension. Ah, ooh, yeah, this thing's rough. This this one's rough. I I didn't want to watch this for a long time, and when I was doing this episode, I was originally only going to do the three movies, you know, one, two, and then Afterlife, and I was like, man. I'm going to feel bad if we don't do 2016. you got to knock all four out at once. But Jesus fucking Christ. Um, this doesn't feel like a Ghostbusters movie. 
this feels like let's have a checklist of what makes the Ghostbusters Ghostbusters and just do something with that. That's what it feels like. We get our we get a scene at the firehouse. We get an Ecto one scene. We get a Slimer scene. We see Stay Puff. And we get cameos. Good enough. Fuck the rest of the movie. That's what it feels like to me. Like, no effort went into some of this stuff. Um, yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. Do you have any pleasant memories of this, Jake? Um, so I didn't, I didn't hate this as much as everybody else did. I really, like, because, again, I saw this pretty fresh after seeing the original, so I didn't really have the attachment. That being said, the, the, like hate online mm. made this movie worse for me because I was just so tired of hearing about it because at the end of the day it is just a movie that being said it's definitely a cash grab and it's definitely just like you said a checklist of things to just throw in there and make it like oh let's make it I thought the choice to basically mismarket the movie was also very odd the teaser trailer very clearly says like 30 years ago Ghostbusters, and then like the movie doesn't reflect that because there were no Ghostbusters in this timeline or in this in this movie um, that never existed in the past. So I don't know why they marketed that way. And it was really strange, and I hated all the cameos of of the original cast members because I as well. it felt weird because none of them were playing their old roles. And I hated that they all came back because it was like, you held out that long for Ghostbusters 3, but you're coming back here and giving it your stamp of approval. Kind of weird. Um, Especially the Bill Murray cameo. Bill Murray cameo. Bad. Because his uh, was the longest, too. His was the longest. Exactly. And I'm like, you're the one that held out for the longest, so why the fuck are you here? Um, yeah. I I thought it was... I don't know. It's, it's a very lazy movie, but... Uh, I hated the choice to have everything be like CG, um, and it was it just looked ugly, and it was just like a kind of a bloated mess. And uh, the movie was doomed to fail from the second it stepped into production. And I like Paul Feig as a director. I like Melissa McCarthy. I like all these people in the movie, but they should have just done an original story. And then it might have worked, you know, because these are talented people. Paul Feig, Bridesmaids, hilarious. Bye, great. But, you know, I think this pairing just didn't work. Even though I do think Paul Feig is kind of an interesting choice to direct a Ghostbusters film. I don't think this was it. Mm. Um, I think the improvisation is terrible. I think that every time they were allowed to let loose, it just evolved into stupid childish comedy and none of it was was witty the none chemistry of it was wasn't there either chemistry was not there at all um i i kate mckinnon was so annoying in this movie um, thank you dude that is my biggest thing you bring up an original story not just that yeah. we need original characters just because we have a new name a new actor does not make them original like yeah. there was we talked about this on the free guy episode actually that you were on when we discussed yeah. the nines. Melissa McCarthy used to be a fantastic actress. Lately, she's fallen off, taking some Netflix deals here and there, whatever. You could say what you want. I used to love Melissa McCarthy as an actress. This is lazy. 
there was several food jokes, and I'm like, oh, okay, so because she's bigger, this is funny? No, I like Melissa McCarthy. I don't think there's anything physically wrong with the woman. Let me hear her her jokes, not something that you're clearly stereotyping her into saying. Um, yeah, she's meant to be the Ray character, like the, the odd optimistic character in this. Uh, Kristen Wiig, I like as an actress as well. She's probably my second favorite cast member out of this. I thought hers was the most original, and that's saying something, because her character's pretty flat. Um, Kate McKinnon, do not like her too much. Uh, don't hate her or anything, just don't care for her. I'm never going to see a movie and say, oh, I can't wait to see Kate McKinnon in this. Um, her character felt the most blatant, just a rip-off, quirky Egon just blatant as far as I could that's the best way I can put it politely uh, Leslie Jones I do not like whatsoever she's the reason I quit watching SNL um, the show declined heavily after Seth Myers left even after Amy Samberg left but Leslie Jones is just annoying to me more than anything and especially since this movie uh, after 2016 came out her public like outcry to the the backlash this movie got is aggravating too. Like when Afterlife, the trailer came out, I remember she was like, like tweeting at Sony talking about how this is just bullshit that her movie didn't get a sequel. And it's like Leslie, your movie didn't get a sequel because you suck, frankly. Um, yeah, man, there's just there's nothing original about this, and that's the sad part. And the things that um are original, like they don't. They don't. It's not enough for this. But Harold, what about you? Do you have anything pleasant to say off the top of your head before we get to dislikes? Oh wait, you're you're breaking up, Harold. Say that again. It was another Ghostbuster movie. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Dustin, what about you? What do you have to say about like, 2016? Nothing good. <laughs> like, the the thing that bumped me out the most about it was that um, when it was coming out, because my, my younger brother is a big Ghostbusters fan, mm-hmm. and so I was bummed because I would have looked forward to, like, going to see it with him. But instead, we were just talking about, like, what a train wreck everything was. And, like... I, I I was optimistic too. Like I was like, you know what? I'm like I like I don't care if it there's a woman cast. Like I want I want to see this. But then as soon as I saw the first trailer, I was like, oh god, like this looks fucking terrible. But I still haven't seen the the whole thing, and I really don't plan on it. <laughs> and you know, man, you bring it up too. I know a lot of people give this movie hate just because it's an all-women cast. And that's not the case. I think Melissa McCarthy's great, like I said. I think her writing's shit in this, for one. Um, well, they, know, th- they they pretty much just let everybody just ad-lib everything. But, like, just because they ad-libbed it, like, doesn't mean it's funny. Like, it might have been funny on the set, but, like, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff, they didn't have any actual jokes. It was just, like... You know, like oh ho, this this soup is has two noodles. That's funny. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's like it's exactly. Okay. Maybe yeah. on set, but it's not actually funny. I hundred percent agree, dude. And like Kristen Wiig, like, is a great actress, but she, what does she accomplish in this movie? What does she do? What makes her stand out as a character? You know, uh, but Kate McKinnon's character and Leslie Jones, they can both fuck off. Uh, just boring, just ripoffs more than anything. And it's a shame. I think if this movie had better writing for better writing, it'd be a thousand years better. Had writing to begin with. <laughs> yeah. If it had bad <laughs> writing, um, at least half of a different cast, I think there could have been something unique here. And maybe we'd be having a different discussion. But Christ, dude. Um, the only thing about this movie I like that I think this does well. Uh, cool little slimer. Side little plot bit, I guess we, we get towards the end of the movie. Where he takes over oh, the yeah, Ecto-1. I, I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. That's reminiscent of both the show and Ghostbusters 2. That's, that's kind of neat. Alright. And the, the gadgets. I'll give that this movie that it, I like the gadgets seeing the like the proton guns I think they called them and uh, during one of the after credit or the credit scenes you see the bear trap going on there's a grenade at one point too I think the the gadgets are a cool thing because throughout the other three films we don't see upgrades like that and I think that would have been something cool to see if this did get a sequel you know how far they could go uh, stepping away from the proton packs. But before we we go back to more negative stuff, I'll say, dude, this movie was confident. Because this, like, full... It didn't just set up. This movie planted a sequel. Getting the firehouse, losing the Ecto-1. Like, it... This movie was fucking confident, dude. Um, Jake, what are some just other negative things you got to say about this thing before we get to our rating? It's always the confident ones that never get the sequel. You ever notice that? It's so funny. It's like the movies end, like... See you next year. And it's like, no, you won't. Because it's almost like they planned that. You know, they're like, we're going to mm-hmm. do it. And then it's like, no. Um, but, but negative, I think the, my number one negative is honestly nothing to do with the movie. I hated the online, like, discourse. Like, I was just so, fr- I got, I got, I was tired of this movie before it even was released. It was all of the, the negativity, the bullying, like, it was all. And I, I, yeah, exactly. It's it's not bad because it's an all women cast. It's bad because it's bad, and there's nothing you could do about that. This could have been anybody in this movie. It could have been all guys, and it would have been shit too. Um, this could have been the original cast. It could have been the original cast. It would have been horrible. Yeah. With this script, it would have anything would have been bad. Um, it's just bad, and and I got tired of the bullying and the harassment and the dislikes and all that stuff because these women didn't do anything wrong. They're just getting a paycheck. They're doing a movie, but it, it's 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 a bad script, and it didn't work. They tried, but it didn't work. And ultimately, you can applaud the effort because they they want to keep making Ghostbusters movie, and I think we can appreciate that. But overall, this one fell flat and. Uh, I think there is some good stuff in it. I mean, there's like one or two like smirks to be had here where it's like, mm, you know, it's it's fine. But overall, it was just uh, kind of a mess. And uh, I can see why they shied away from making another one 
for as long as they did because this didn't work out. Yeah, I agree. What, what would your rating of this be, um, Jake? Um, probably a half, like a two out of five. I mean, it, like I said, it when I saw this, I wasn't like that was shit. I was just kind of like that didn't work, and that's okay. But I wish there wasn't so much like bullshit because I might even I might have had a better response to it if there wasn't all that negativity leading up to it because we didn't I didn't have like a kind of a preconceived idea of what the movie was going to be. Um, but yeah, two out of five, it's easily the worst one, uh, but some, very little of it's redeemable, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, bad. I agree. Um, Harold, what, what are your closing comments and rating of 2016? For me, dude, this is a Jakku on the way to Hoth. I think the gadgets are cool. Um, I think Slimer's cool. I think this movie had a bit of potential, but it fell flat due to the writing and even directing, honestly, because I don't know what the fuck Paul's thinking, but this, there's no chemistry here. So what, what are your final thoughts? I give it about a two out of five too. And I agree with Jake. I don't think it deserved all the negativity it got. I don't really like all the, like the, the bullying they gave the cast for that. Um, I didn't personally find the movie all that entertaining, but like I, like you said, they tried. It was it was the script. It wasn't the actors, and yeah. I can appreciate that, especially from a you know because I'm a Ghostbusters fan, and you know even though it wasn't all all that great to me, I still can appreciate it for being the Ghostbusters movie itself. So I'll give it to all five. We should have some positivity out of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin, what are your closing remarks and rating for Ghostbusters 2016? I don't really know if I can give it a rating because I never finished watching it. But I guess all I really have to say is that I I hope the cast is doing well from all the backlash and that um, studios have learned, like, I don't know, don't trash on the... I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but, like, don't don't trash on the people that like um actually enjoy like like ghostbusters you know um because there was there there was a lot going on during that time and i won't like get super into it but um just like respect <laughs> mm. like show respect to the people like kind of like we were talking about with like uh really scott like you know you want something that audiences will appreciate so don't like um shit on the audience but yeah. um, I'm glad that we finally got a Ghostbusters film that like respects the audience and the people that enjoy the originals. So that is the most positive I can say about it is that because of this, then we finally got like a proper, uh, proper follow up. Fair enough. I can respect that opinion, actually. That's, that's, that's very well put. Very well worded. I respect that. <laughs> Well, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break before we go ahead and talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. But both our friends Gamer Harold and Dustin are going to be leaving us for the rest of this episode. Um, Harold, dude, it's always wonderful having you on. You know, you've been here for such a long time. If our listeners, for whatever reason, um, just have no clue who you are, where can they find you? You can find me. Well, my name 
it's gamer Herald on Instagram and on Twitter and on YouTube and on Twitch. So it's pretty easy to find me. Just search me up. It'll be gamerherald underscore on Twitter and Instagram and on Twitch and YouTube. It's just Gamer Herald, so you can find me there. All right, sweet. And Dustin, dude, I'm glad we were able to get you on this week for Ghostbusters. It's been wonderful talking to you. You're more than welcome to come back on for future episodes, but where can our listeners find you as well, man? Yes. Yeah, I had a great time on. It was great talking to the three of you and getting our Ghostbusters on. Um, You can find me online. I'm on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Dustin Hendricks 6 is my name. Um, I also have a website that has all my films and such on, and that's DustinHendricksOfficial.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Awesome, man. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to both of you guys. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break, and then Jake and I will go ahead and finish up talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. We'll be right back again, guys. Alright, and we're back from our quick of the break. It's just me and Jake now, and we're going to go ahead and discuss the proper third Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is what, roughly 30 years later? In Yeah, it, right, like 30, 35, something like that. Something like that, yeah. I think 30, because Ghostbusters 2, there are references. 2 is still canon. They don't do a Halloween thing, thankfully. Oh, yes. Um, yes, so we're following the family the daughter and the grandchildren of egon spangler in this small i think it's somerville or sunnyville somerville i think and somerville oklahoma they move out there to where uh, egon used to live because in the beginning part of this film we see egon's like running from something um we don't see his face clearly um you know and we we do see egon pass in this film you know, going forth with the title Afterlife, which is a, a cool little tribute. I wasn't thinking too much of it at that point. Like, I knew it was going to be a legacy film. Um, I didn't think we'd see Egon, just because with Ackroyd, again, this big in the production, also uh, Jason Reitman, who the son of Ivan Reitman, uh, who did the first two Ghostbusters films, with it being such a... as close as you can get to the original cast and crew film... I didn't think it would go CGI heavy. So I wasn't expecting to see Egon in this physically. Um, I just thought it was going to be a legacy thing. So it was a nice little touch at first. You don't see his face, just like his chin and his hair. So we know it's him. I think the reflection of his glasses too. Um, He does pass away. Pretty sad scene. And his family, his daughter and grandchildren move out to his home. Because they're getting evicted and they're broke. Um, And while they're out there... Weird things start happening in this town. No earthquakes are happening, but there's no fault lines. Um, Paul Rudd, who is the summer teacher for Egon's daughter, or granddaughter, excuse me, he remembers the Ghostbusters, and he's just fascinated by the the, uh, the objects this granddaughter's pulling up. Um, we see Finn Wolfhart, who's the grandson, who's working on the Ecto-1. He repairs it. Um, and these kids basically end up kind of entangling themselves in the Ghostbusters world in a sense. Um, what 
Eivor? E yeah, something like, like e e Eivor Shandor? Sh Shandor, Shandor. Shandor's the last one. Shand no, it's... I, Igor... We're just calling him Shandor. Jesus yeah. Christ. So Shandor, the man who created and designed the building from the first Ghostbusters... Turns out there's another attempt he had at this. An actual portal, like the original place for the cult of Gozor. Um, his body's there, encased in this clear coffin. And it's in this mountain in this Oklahoma City. And at this point, as the plot progresses, we discover there was an actual plan that Egon had. He was nonsense that everyone thinks he, all the talents people remember him by. From doing all these weird actions over the years. Um, it wasn't nonsense. He was preparing for the apocalypse. For the return of Zul. Of, of Gozor. And so. Um, he created this rig. For proton packs. Shooting down this portal to close it. Whenever these uh, spirits try to come out. Um, and during this process. After the kids catch their first ghost. The granddaughter calls the Ghostbusters line. Because that number still works for whatever reason. And lo and behold, Ray picks up at the bookshop he owns from Ghostbusters 2. And then he informs her, you know, what happened between them and Egon. And she lets them know, like, this, I'm I'm his granddaughter. And the phone's cut by the police officer because they were previously arrested. Um, during all this, the kids actually become Ghostbusters. They get the Ecto-1 running. Uh, the gatekeeper and keymaster... Become Paul Rudd and the mother, who I cannot forget. I cannot remember the actress's name in this. Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon. There you go. Um, they become the new gatemaster or keymaster and gatekeeper. And Gozer is summoned again. You know, this is the events of the first film are happening again, but to a more extreme level. Like this is the apocalypse, basically. Um, and in a big elaborate plot to go or plan to go ahead and defeat them, it, it fails because basically this farm Egon was living on and was building up wasn't a farm. It was a big ghost trap the entire time. And it failed, of course. And during this big battle between Gozer and the new Ghostbusters, the sub, you know, the original team comes back in a very heartfelt moment. We see the three of them come back. And right before things seem hopeless yet again, Egon, in the form of a ghost, comes to save the day, basically. We see the Ghostbusters fully reunite, and the feet goes are once and for all. Um, yeah, so starting off, dude, what were your expectations for this? Um, I pretty mid. I was like, all right. Doesn't need to be amazing. Just needs to be better than 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely excited to see like them reference the older one. Because I'm like, we need to acknowledge that. I want a continuation of that. Because, like I said with the 2016 one, I thought it was that they're just outright ignoring that. And I, didn't re I don't really like reboots. Um, I'm just sort of like, well, we have the original. So why don't we just build on that or tell a new story mm -hmm. so i always prefer that um and i was glad to see that happen here i was uh very excited to see it though especially after rewatching all these older ones because i was like oh i i mean the, the trailer alludes to it like you're gonna see the original ghostbusters come back 
I thought that was really exciting, and I was definitely looking forward to seeing that. Um, I like that they got uh, a McKenna Grace in this. She's a great child actor. She uh, is. Finn Wolfhard, mm. he's, he's the Stranger Things kid, so of course you got to get him. Um, <laughs> and I thought I thought the Jason Reitman directing was a really nice touch. Um, he was a, um, in my opinion, of kind of a weird choice to direct. Because he has always kind of done like more kind of like low burn, like dramatic comedies, I feel yeah, like, like. Juno. Juno. I just saw Up in the Air for the first time last week. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that, where it's kind of a slower burn. He's never done like a big uh, tent pole like this. Uh, but I thought it worked really well. I especially really love this movie when it's more like a Jason Reitman movie, when it's just kind of like kids hanging out. Um, and like learning about their past. I, I like that stuff. Um, so I thought that Jason Reitman was kind of a weird choice going into it, but ended up really working out for me. And I thought like the, the legacy thing was a great mm-hmm. touch and that, that kind of marketing angle where it's like, Oh, I had my dad with me on set every day. And it's like, you know, kind of intimidating. Cause like, that's the guy and I got to please him too. Cause this is his baby too. Um, so I thought that was great. Uh, so my expectations were were medium, but definitely like on the high end of medium. Like I was like, I definitely want to see this. I'm excited, but you know, I I I was I was cautious because I'm like, All right, I hope this isn't shit. But I was I was definitely looking forward to it. This was my most anticipated movie of the year. I was so pumped. I posted my Ghostbusters picture, like me in front of the firehouse, whenever the first trailer dropped in 2019. Um, that hook I told you about that I stole, I sent a picture to my friends. I was like, I have a prop from a Ghostbusters three. Like I was thrilled to have that. It's sitting on my little corkboard over here. Um, when I was a kid, I first watched Ghostbusters one and two. When we rented them from Netflix shortly after we got the subscription of Netflix on the Wii. And I remember it was like, okay, going through, I rewatched the first two. I was like, where's Ghostbusters three? Like, I always thought it was a trilogy for whatever reason. And, of course, it wasn't. And then, you know, 2016 came and happened. Whatever the fuck that... Yeah, I don't want to talk about that movie anymore. Um, I didn't think we'd get this. So, when it was announced, I was thrilled. But I was thinking, no Bill Murray. Of course. When it was more or less snow leaked, I guess you could say. It was unofficially announced at first that all of them were coming back, except Harold, because he had passed away, obviously. Because when that happened in 2014, or 2013, actually, I think it was, um, I was like, we're never seeing this again. There's no way in hell am I getting Ghostbusters. So once we got Bill Murray announced, I'm like, damn, this is as close as it's going to get. Then, you know, we got Jason Reitman directing this. And like you said, man, not only is this his baby, it's his father's baby. That's, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders right there. This was, in my opinion, since the passing of Harold Ramis, and because this is done 30 years after the second movie, this is the best sequel you could get out of this. All things considered, this is as good as it's going to get. And with that being said, I think Jason Reitman did a damn good job with this fucking movie. Um... To me, this is 
what Force Awakens is to Star Wars. It keeps the familiar plot points, but has enough new to where it, it remains its own identity in a sense. Um, gosh, I fucking love this every second. I'm debating seeing it again this weekend, actually. Um, one thing I really admire that the first two films fail to do, and because, like I said before in this episode, I compare this movie so much to Back to the Future for whatever fucking reason. Maybe I'm the only one in the world that does that, but I always bundle the two together. This one thing that Ghostbusters that fails to do that Back to the Future does so successfully, as cool as the Ecto-1 is, it doesn't have its own identity almost. It's just a vehicle that looks cool. The DeLorean, it has a personality in a sense almost. The Batmobile as well. Like that is a vehicle you can depend on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a plot point, you know? Without the DeLorean, there's no Back to the Future. Yeah. So the fact that this movie gave the Ecto-1 a personality and it gave... Hearing that engine rev up in the scene where Finn Wolfhart takes off in the in the the wheat field, I, I like fist in the air pumping moment, man. Hearing the sirens again. One of the most, possibly the most um, fun scene of this movie is when the kids are catching their first ghosts, and they have uh, McKenna Grace in the gunner seat, shooting at Muncher. It, it's so much fun, dude. I felt like. Hearing the sound of that, I almost felt as if I was in the Ecto-1 with them. Because it was hitting my chest so hard. Um, goodness, the... You, we'll get to that in a second. What are some things you love, Jake? Like you were saying, I like how it kind of um, made those old... That old tech, like, it gave it that, like, icon status. Where I was just kind of like, damn, like the sound design of when she fires up the proton pack I was yes. like that is that is the lightsaber like like that's incredible um like the sound design really added a lot to that and like you were saying the ecto 1 uh the familiar themes and things like that uh all of it really like gave it that like icon status and I'm like yeah like this is ghostbusters in the conversation for like one of those 80s franchises where it's like just took off and um not that the original didn't do a lot with that i just think it's very interesting that now like we can sort of like take this tech and be like no this is like really cool shit um really loved all the performances uh paul rudd was a really great uh rick moranis stand-in he was very good mm -hmm. um very funny i really appreciated like i was saying with the older films the use of practical effects like it's it's just it adds so much more um i don't know if muncher were muncher was practical probably not but i don't think so no but i can tell the the dog when he's eating the dog food the little oh, like in dog, walmart practical that was real like and it looked great speaking of the walmart did you notice there's no employees in that <laughs> yeah that was a weird scene um and he, Paul Rudd gets Baskin Robbins, which is a cool callback to Ant-Man. I thought that was funny, too. Yeah, I also made that joke about Ant-Man. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that scene was kind of weird, just because of, like, all the product. It felt like a commercial. Um, it did. It looked it like great. one, too, visually. It did. It was really weird. But 
I, we'll probably get to that with the negative part, but uh, I thought it was I, I when I saw the trailer and stuff, I was like, oh, we're doing mini Marshmallow Man. Like, what are we capitalizing on, Baby Yoda? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was funny. Like, I, I, I liked it. I liked that they were all just violently killing each other. Um, that was hilarious. Uh, and I liked seeing the old Ghostbusters back. Um, even though it was a little weird, and I was kind of like, like, like it was very like respectfully done. But something every time I see a dead actor brought back with CGI, I'm kind of like, it, I don't know how I feel. Like this is weird. This doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna feel that way if they bring back Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther. Um, just like I, I think, like there's like like with something like Tarkin. There's been a lot of time since he's kind of passed away, so it's like something about it doesn't feel as like icky to me. Um, but like with Carrie Fisher, it's like I don't know. But I mean, See, of course, you need Carrie Fisher for me because it was mainly unused footage, and when it wasn't, it was her daughter standing in. It feels more natural. Um, I agree. As far as like the Tarkin thing, I agree. Enough times passed; it doesn't yeah. feel like it's capitalizing on it. No, but this it was like they had they had the opening scene where they did just enough, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" Like the silhouette, like you you know it's him, mm-hmm. um, and then just like that like light thing. You feel his presence great. throughout the movie like that, yeah. Because, yeah you feel you, his ghost is there. I don't think you needed to actually do that, even though it is like incredible to see the four of them standing there together. Um, that was great, and you can only have that with CGI. And it but looked good too. It, what's up? It looked good too. It did look good. I was actually going to say that is surprising to me. Also, I felt the same way about Loomis in Halloween. Um, I'm so. We'll get to that in a second. Don't let me yeah. forget that though. Okay, I won't. But but like similar, like like the mm-hmm. effects were really well done, and they're just getting better with time. Um, I don't know. Something about it still was kind of like. They're really holding on shots with him. Um, and he's just like, sta- like he's not saying anything. I was like, this is weird. Like, why is he just standing there? Um, but, but that aside, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, even if it does kind of play it safe sometimes. But I did like it. I thought it was, it was The Force Awakens, like you were saying. I felt mm-hmm. the same way watching this, where I was like, yeah, familiar plot, but safe, accessible, can bring in a lot of new fans to the franchise, make them revisit the old one with some nostalgia and get new fans. That's never a bad thing. So overall, really enjoyed it. Um, before I go on with the whole Loomis thing, so you brought up the Paul Rudd stuff. Remember earlier how I was describing that, like me and my friends would go driving around in town, playing the Ghostbusters theme on repeat with the windows down, blast, screaming the lyrics. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, the scene where they're trying to open the ghost trap up with the bus battery, and Paul Rudd's car is parked there, and we know it's his because he drives it to the Walmart and the windshield busted out. That is the same car I had done to the color <laughs> doing that. So I was like, that is perfect. Same model, color, same rims. That damn. dude, that almost brought a tear to my eye. I was like, damn, in a way, I'm in a Ghostbusters movie right now. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> um, as far as 
playing it safe goes, you brought up earlier with the 84 film, there's no fat in that. It's straight to the point. We get our plot, doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense, and we go through with it. I'm perfectly fine with this movie playing it safe because it expands the lore just enough. We're seeing Shandor. We're seeing this other portal, like the original one. We're seeing the other, the dates go by, the other attempts this has happened. I'm perfectly fine with that. It it worked just enough for me to where it didn't feel, it didn't feel useless to be expanded upon, and it didn't feel forced at the same time. It was a good medium, because it is brought up. We could have left it alone, but it's in, like it's something that like would ask questions about, but we just had no clue because there's not a lot of lore to Ghostbusters. So I think it's interesting just to get that like one extra layer deeper into that to where it's not too unbelievable for this franchise. Um, as far as the Loomis thing goes, dude, it means... Yeah, I'm 22 years old. Born 99, right? I love Star Wars. I love Ghostbusters, obviously. I love... Halloween, Rocky, I love so many of these franchises, right, that were a big deal before I was born. It means the absolute world to me that at 22 years old, these characters, these heroes, these villains I grew up with that came out years prior before I was even born, that I'm able to see an original story with them returning to their roles, Seeing Luke Hanalea again in the sequel trilogy. Seeing not only Michael Myers back on the screen, but with Jamie Lee Curtis and Nick Castle reprising their role in the same film with an authentic-looking Loomis cameo in Halloween Kills. Seeing Rocky return the two Creed films. You know, seeing these characters come back means just the absolute fucking world to me. And one thing that's always felt missing is Ghostbusters being gone. And so, like I said, with Harold dying, I was just like, this is, I'm never going to see that. And that was something I had to live with. You know, just that thought in my head, as much as I want that third movie, it's never happening. We get it, and it's a bit bittersweet because I know, yeah, we're going to see these characters, these three remaining actors who are alive in this film. And as excited as I am for that, it still won't be the same. But when we, there's one shot in this where it's the three original standing side-by-side proton packs activated and the camera slowly pans out and it's the ghost of Harold Ramis standing right there. And you know it's not recast. Even though it is CGI, it looks damn good. It looked really fucking good. If you didn't know Harold Ramis had passed away, you would think that's him. And just seeing their reactions looking at it, that had me crying, dude, full out. That shot alone is the best shot I've seen all year. Made my fucking... Whew, I, had a, I had a wonderful time with this fucking movie. Um, how, how do you feel about that shot in particular? It was great. I mean, it was very magical to see them all together again. Um... And like you were saying, you you wouldn't know if he was. I can attest to that my girlfriend didn't know he had passed, and then I said that at the end, and then she was like, "Oh wow, like that looked really good." Um, 
you know, it's 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 the it's the Paul Walker thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. this is for our friend. This is a love letter to him, um, and uh, we know he would have loved this. We know he would have been okay with this. And now we're gonna share this like kind of finale with you guys because um, we never got to do that because you know things didn't work out. We never got to make a third movie, um, and we lost Harold Ramis. But uh, let's honor him with this. Um, I thought it was great, um, even though it was like I, I didn't think they were going to do it. Maybe maybe that's why I was so like kind of taken aback by it because I'm like, oh wow, you guys like you guys did it. I mean, maybe they got permission um, from his family or something. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's 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 usually it's always like that with me where I'm just like, oh like that respectful. I don't know, but I did. It was like, of course, like amazing to see them all together again and that shot was great um and the comedy of it all like everything would just felt great like perfect just like old times it was it was great the you brought up that it's 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 a tribute for their friend kind of thing and of course we see before the movie even ends letters just for Harold, which again yep. made me fucking cry it's beautiful we know dan Aykroyd partially wrote some of this movie we don't know how much he wrote the first two um this Ghostbusters Afterlife, and maybe it's because he only co-wrote it and he didn't direct this film. Ghostbusters Afterlife, in a way, is a better version of another tribute film that Dan Dan Aykroyd did, and that's Blues Brothers Two Thousand. I don't think Blues Brothers Two Thousand is good necessarily, but I will always respect it because that is his tribute film to John Belushi. Have Have you seen Two Thousand at all? No. Have you seen the original? I don't think so. I think I've seen like bits of it, but I haven't oh, I haven't goodness. like sat down and watched it, but I don't want to spoil it for you then, but the the sequel it's clear it is by it's just a tribute film. Um and that's exactly what this is as well. So I will always have the highest respect of Dan Aykroyd. Um not only for just being one of my favorite actors of all time, but for putting out two projects of his most successful films and dedicating them to his best friends that has passed away, um, that, that just, I imagine it means the world to him, of course, and to their families, but like that means the world to me as, as fans of these films and as these actors and characters too, because you, you can attach to some of these people, even though you've never met them. You know, when, when Carrie Fisher passed away, dude, it, it broke my heart. You know, I remember I was um, I was at a soccer practice when I saw the news that Harold Ramis had passed away, and like I had to sit down. It hurt, man. I grew up on Ghostbusters, you know, and even though I wasn't alive for John Belushi's death, looking back, you know, I love Animal House. I love 1941. I love watching SNL reruns. I I love the Blues Brothers. You know, it saddens me that we never that he didn't get to live. For, to being Ghostbusters, he had a, had such a a promising future, and so like a movie like Two Thousand Blues Brothers Two Thousand means the world to me as a fan, even though I didn't get to grow up with it, you know. So I will always respect these two films for that. Um, do you have any negatives per se of this? Um, I I guess I I suppose I don't really like um the third act. I really, I, I was, lo- like I said, loving 
the first two acts. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Reitman's directing style worked really well with this, surprisingly. And the slow burn kind of uh, kid drama that was going on, I really enjoyed. Um, the self-discovery of like rekindling your past, I thought was great. I think I sort of wish they took a different route with it. Um, I, I like you were saying with like the, you know, expanding the lore a bit and showing all the different times this happened. That was really cool. But I think if they had done, I don't know. I think because some part of it to me just felt like that Force Awakens thing, right? Where it's like we're doing the Death Star again, and it was it was just like we were we're re- re- recreating the first climax, the first climax of the from the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a little because because I was loving it so much that kind of like cut me down a bit where I was like oh man but I was loving this like like and now it's it is just you know Sigourney Weaver and 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 uh, Rick Moranis doing the gatemaster and the and the or the or the keymaster and the gatekeeper thing um so that kind of like sucked some of my joy out of it but I but it it. It came back when those Ghostbusters showed up, I won't lie. And I was like definitely into that. But I just felt like it had a really good momentum. And then when we got to that ending, everything just kind of was like, okay, and now let's retell the first movie. Um, but still enjoyable. Um, that's really my one big negative. Uh, as far as like little things... Uh, I suppose I wish uh, Finn Wolfhard had more to do. Uh, I, I really kind of was expecting more from him, uh, as well as the mom, uh, Carrie Coon, great actress. I wish she had, like, because she was kind of, like, unlikable for most of it. And I was, like, I kind of, and I get it, like, her father completely abandoned her and, like, treated her like shit, you know, according to her. Mm. Um, but, like, I just feel like she should have been, like, because of that neglect, she should have been, like, a better mother. She felt almost like a reverse Venkman to me. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I because I, I love that actor, like I said. And and there are bits and pieces of this of, of her performance where I'm like, oh, you love your kids. And of course he does. But I don't know. I think she was a little bit too like cynical with, with her daughter. Um, I, I agree with that. Little, yeah, like, like I was just kind of like, why are you so rude to your kids? But... Uh, <laughs> I think she should have been given a little bit more, and I wish the I, like I said, Stone Wolfhard uh, was given a little bit more to do besides be like you know making googly eyes at the the girl, and you know working at the diner and getting the Ecto one started. That really was like his whole like entryway into this Ghostbusters plot was like, hey, I got the car working, and it's like that's about it. But um, but like you were saying, that action scene with the with the muncher so good um just like going around town going like we've never seen that before like i loved seeing like the like and that's kind of like what you were saying with like making the ecto one like give it a place in history make it a part of the film like mm. like the classic vehicles because we never really saw like an action scene with the ecto one no so never so cool to see that finally mm. um like they're always just like driving it in and being like, "All right, let's get out of the car. Let's go get the ghost." And it's like giving it the gunner seat. Like that was all really cool stuff. It was, um, and man. It, and it adds to it. So I really like that stuff. Um, but overall, I really did enjoy it, uh, despite that one 
negative, but but it was really good. I, I had fun with it, and I definitely want to check it out again. I think my only gripe, and it, it, looking back on it, I, I it's not much of a gripe anymore. Um, in the original, and especially in the sequel, the setting had a personality in a sense. Being in Manhattan, that's what makes these movies so great, partially. Especially the sequel, you could that movie could not take place anywhere else but New York, literally. Yeah. Um, and so this not being in New York, it's a bit odd at first, but I think with the Ecto One stuff, it really makes up for that. Um, just taking that inanimate personality and placing it elsewhere, and it works out to where my one gripe isn't a gripe. Looking back on it, it was just. Uh, not even misunderstand or just misappreciating in a sense. But yeah, what what would your rating for Ghostbusters Afterlife be? I think I'm gonna go with a Naboo and a half. I really did enjoy it. Um, but I, I did feel like uh at times they played a little bit too safe when I wish they kind of veered off more. Mm-hmm. Um but like I said, magical seeing everybody back together. Uh, really great, like, recaptured your nostalgia. Um, gave it the Force Awakens treatment. Enjoyed it. Uh, had a great time with it. Definitely looking forward to checking out again. And definitely looking forward to the sequel, because there were two Africana scenes, and I'm looking forward to that. So Yeah, we'll get we'll to that in just goes. a second, too. Um, for me, it's a course on, dude. This like my most anticipated movie of the year. I don't care. I'll, I'll blow this movie all fucking day long. I loved it. Um, this beats. This is the second best Ghostbusters for me. Um, one being the the best, of course. Two being the third. Then, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the after credit scene goes, we get each of the original members have two scenes. Ray's first scene is the bookstore scene in the film, and then they have all the scenes together, or all three together. That's their one. Their other scene. Bill Murray, we see have a little. Little reunion of Sigourney Weaver, nice little cameo, good after credit or mid credit scene, I love it. Um, then we get one for Winston, for Ernie Hudson, and he brings the Ecto One back to New York with the firehouse. We discover he's a businessman at this point. That's cool. We get character development for Winston finally. I'm here for it. It's off screen, but it's still here. And he he puts the Ecto One in the firehouse, and you're thinking, okay. He just got the property back. He just wants to have this, the, it like for, to remember the, everything because he's talking about memories in the past scene, you know. And then we see the trap or the the, the containment cell. And it's beeping and vibe. Do you think we're going to get Ghostbusters four? Yeah, I think they're definitely going to do something with that. Um, I don't know if we're going to get like the original cast, like hanging out and doing the whole thing but i think they set up a a really bright future where we could see like different ghostbusters teams where it's like you've got the little kids now um you've got paul rudd you've got carrie coon you've got the original ghostbusters you could even set up more in the next one um I, i think like making this a sort of um like 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 franchising it is very interesting and it's kind of a unique thing to do with with this series, um, and I'd be curious to see it. I do think we will see Ghostbusters four. Uh, however, that looks, I'm not sure. 
and mm-hmm. what like who's in it, I don't know. But I do think we will get another one. I don't know if it's directed by Jason Reitman. I don't know what the deal is, but um, Sony's not going to let go of this, especially because it was successful. Um, we're going into the holiday weekend now, where like the movie opened better than expected. Yeah, um, it did very well. Uh, it's it's just going to leg it out over the next couple of weeks and make a ton of money. I hope. And once they get those returns, they're going to be like, "All right, this is how we did during COVID. Let's let's really test the waters and put it out in a normal market and see what we could do." Um, so I definitely think we'll get another one. I don't know if I think we'll get another one. Um, I'm contempt with how this ended. I take it again as a legacy ending. You know, there's still ghosts out there. It's open, but same time, it feels. I'm contempt of being closed at the same time. I won't be upset if we don't get a fourth. Um, if we get a fourth, I would really like to see it be uh, the original Involve more as a mentorship kind of thing. But I don't know. I don't know how likely it would be. But I think in order for it to, to work, it would need Reitman again. Yeah, at least the they as a writer or a producer or something, I'm also very content with them ending it here. I just think Sony is going to want the money. Um, but, but yeah, definitely a good ending. Um, even if there were no after credit scenes, would have just been perfect. Uh, but, but yeah, they are. Uh, I, th- I think it's on the table. But I, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, God, dude, I love Ghostbusters Afterlife so much. Jesus Christ. We really just spent, what, two and a half hours just blowing Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, though. Um, Jake, thanks so much for coming on and talking of these movies for me. It's been an absolute blast. Where can our listeners find you if for whatever reason they don't already? It's been a great time. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And, yeah, happy uh, Thanksgiving guys, is Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you guys can find me on YouTube, uh, Mayhem Pictures. Uh, i got a ton of short films over there. You can find me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts with uh, Mayhem Podcasts. It's uh, i got a new series every Wednesday, Blind Awards Race, where I run down all of my predictions for the Oscar race. And, um, yeah, Twitter, uh, Jakey underscore Lemon, I believe, and then Instagram, Jakey Lemon. That about does it for me. Awesome, man. And your your new award series is short, too. They're quick episodes. They're like, I think your recent was, what, 16 minutes long? They're easy listens. Minutes, 10 minutes, yeah. it's All I do is basically, it's not like a structured like review show. It's just sort of like, hey, here's what I saw this week. I've been trying to do like three releases every week. Mm-hmm. So I do like, here's what I saw. Here's what I think it could get nominated for. Have a good week. That's it. That's all I got to do. You know, I, I'll, sometimes I'll sum up my thoughts on the film, uh, especially if I really love it. Um, but but overall, just in and out. One and done. That's it. I feel you. I feel you. And for those who are listening, a little reminder, December 2nd, Galaxy Film Productions on YouTube are launching introduction videos. Stay tuned for that. We have a short film dropping later December as well. And check out for our New York vlog. We got some good stuff coming, guys. Uh, maybe a live stream as well for the Spider-Man No Way Home stuff going on. We're going to be in New York having a great time. Check that out. 
Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Galaxy of Film. If you enjoy the show, please consider following us on Spotify and giving us an iTunes review. Those really help out the show much more than you can imagine, I promise you. Each one's help, I promise you, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening. Next week, we're talking House of Gucci. See you guys next time.